0: A
1: squad. Personal legend Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin It's an exclusive off-air event So if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com
0: forward slash events Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League
1: OTB's The Hurling Pod
0: With Ford Gosh Energy
1: Proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship You are very welcome along to The Hurling Pod, our first live edition with Borgosh Energy. They are the proud sponsors of the All-Ireland Championship and the Legends Tour Series at Croke Park. Paul Murphy is going to be one of those legends very soon indeed. But yet one of our listeners, Murph, taught the own Murphy up on this point. This is a confusion of me not using Paul before I say your name. Uh, So congratulations on continuing your career as a Kilkenny goalkeeper.
0: Yeah, yeah, I didn't get much credit there during the week Owen Murphy was getting all the credit there for the hurling pod And more importantly, putting up with Skel After giving uh, Owen Murphy all the credit there But look, here, I'm used to that, I'm used to that at this stage
2: That's my li- Your, your life would be a lot more <laughs> lot less, more boring without me <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well certainly for around an hour and a half a week It probably would be I think the rest of my life would probably survive Skel, how are you getting on?
2: I am tremendous I had a busy <laughs> weekend on the farm So I had to, to pack in some hurling and a lot of hurling there was. Like, it, was a, it was a good weekend, I thought. We way to start off the championship.
1: Well, yeah. Championship, well, like championship, yeah. championship I mean, floaters. Black cards came back this weekend. We were only decrying the lack of them a few weeks ago that refs didn't seem to be giving them anymore. We had a red card, huge instant uh, with Gerald Hegarty in the Limerick game. Uh, we would loads of goals in Ennis between Clare and Tipperary. And we had a closely fought game, particularly between Antrim and Dublin yesterday. So, you know, the hurling gods have been kind to us on the first weekend, scale. Yeah, it's just,
2: it's just unfortunate that we couldn't get to see all the games, <laughs> you know, like especially yesterday, I thought with the amount of hurling that was going to be on show, at least our national broadcaster would have one game, but yes, uh, they might have thought it wasn't important enough.
1: <laughs> are you are you trying to say you don't enjoy URC games with three rounds left where teams are playing half teams? Oh, You'd God, prefer to yeah. see championship hurling over that, would you?
2: Yeah, especially coming from my neck of the woods anyway. Yeah, if you throw throwing a rugby ball over here, it'll get burst. <laughs> but it's almost as bad as a football I <laughs> know I just thought they could do better like I I thought it quite ironic like when you consider that the GEA Go GEA Go app is or subscriptions what is it 80 Bob for the uh, 79 at the moment yeah yes yeah, so you're basically you're basically paying 80 Bob say, for, color for the for the two months and there was absolute uproar over Sky at the time they did the deal now in fairness to GEA Go the coverage is good like the pundits are good the commentary is good I particularly like I, I liked Tommy Walsh yesterday I thought he was excellent as a co-commentator Um. It's just that, I suppose, it's not that it's difficult to, to get into, but it's you're know, tricky enough around these neck of the woods where Wi-Fi is a bit slow.
1: Well, I was in good Wi-Fi today and it misfired for me on the phone for the game between Clare and Tipperary. I had great intentions of flicking it on. And by the time that I turned it on, Tipperary already had two goals gone in. Uh, so I had to wait and look at them online uh, to get a look at them. And I don't an know, goalkeepers uh, union here, scale. that was a six-point head start that was effectively handed to Tipperary with the two soft goals conceded early on. Yeah, it
2: was. And I, I, I really fell for him because, you know, goalkeepers making mistakes is one thing, but then making back-to-back mistakes on your championship debut, that, that's a tough one to, to swallow. Like And it just got me thinking. I was like, why you know, if you've if you got a goalkeeper, and this is no disrespect now to him, but if you've got a goalkeeper who is absolutely fundamental or critical to a team's game plan, whether it be through a puck-out strategy or whatever, fair enough, I can see the switch. You know, I can see why you change one. But I didn't see an awful lot as to why Eva Quilligan wouldn't be in the goals. You know, like he's he I, I thought he's performed pretty well over the last couple of years and I thought he was going to be number one again this year. So look, he he learned a harsh lesson today. Like the the, the five goals, not all his fault of course, but the first two especially, or if not maybe even three when you consider the sharp hookout, he You look back at him and he'd be thinking, God, I, I got things wrong. And the, the trouble the trouble was there wasn't any look about it, it was just bad execution on three elements from himself. Like for the first one, his positioning was poor for the sideline, the second one he got dispossessed and when he had the ball, the third one then he overshot, I believe, was John Conlon or Paul Flanagan?
1: John Sorry, Conlon.
2: Yeah, now, you can probably say that John could have gone with the hurl, he went to try to catch it and it left the goal, so, but, ultimately, like, three costly errors and, and they, they just couldn't claw it back after that.
1: Yeah, we're looking at all the live comments uh, coming in at the moment as well, so uh, we will work our way through these as we go along. This tech is all very new to us. uh, We're going live. Uh, Patrick Coleman, not sure if this is Shane Stapleton in disguise, tip her back. Another big chance for Waterford to beat this Limerick team missed big time. Limerick looked to be sailing along when they almost fell apart, fell over the line, thanks to Waterford. It's jumping around a little bit, Murph, but I wonder how much Waterford will feel that that Limerick team, especially after Hegarty was sent off, were potentially there for the taking on weekend one
0: yeah absolutely and just looking at my notes here have having marked down for 13 wides you know um, at, at important times of the game particularly after Hegarty was sent off there certainly was times and thinking of one Desi Hutchinson point you know from not a bad position that really what Waterford were looking there was not just the score but the bit of momentum that would have really had Limerick maybe scrambling because at important times there when let's say Watford got to pump up Limerick just got that score to kind of stem the tide a small bit um, so, when you look at 13 wides on Waterford's side there, Waterford will definitely look at that and say, you know, when, when you look at only losing by a few points, you can look at your wides then and say, were we as economical as we should have been? So, I think that Waterford definitely win, but isn't it brilliant that we're sitting here? And certainly from a Waterford point of view, that we're actually sitting here saying that small margins there and we would have had Waterford turning over a Limerick team, which last week on the pod we were saying we couldn't see happening for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, picking through it, there's a lot for Watford. And this wasn't anything we had seen from Watford in the league. You know, we've been speaking. You can only work off what you what you see in the league. And Watford never sh- showed us this. And it's brilliant that they did. And it's unfortunate. Again, I know we'll get to it. de Burka, you know, dropping out of the game. Looks like his season is over. They had a chance to win the game. There's so many things that is. it's great for Watford. Not to say it's a moral victory, but to come away saying, we could have beaten the All-Ireland Champions, this supposedly unbeaten team. You know, so that's a huge launching pad for Watford, and, But I definitely do think they'll walk away from this going, Miss chances, we could have won this game.
1: Yeah I'm not sure whether John Kylie was talking directly about this idea that Limerick are ruining Hurling or he was hitting back at the idea that a lot of people were saying that they were going to be unbeatable this summer and we were getting comments last week's gal about you know potentially teams not getting within <coughs> 10 points of them this summer and you were both uh, of the feeling that that would not be the case as approved proved today a very close game between them and Waterford but I'm um, just reading Kylie's comments here quote let's be honest about it there was some amount of bullshit spouted about our team ahead of this week and the week before it's a softening up exercise mentally from those who are outside our camp but we've been around a long time we know it's all folly and nonsense every day you go out you're there to be beaten we saw that again today A couple of chances go left right on you and you're in a different situation and we could have lost that game every day we go out we think we could possibly be beaten that's just the way that we think about things so I think there was a lot of nonsense and I think people might hopefully have a bit more reality about their perspective and their analysis about where things are going just maybe focus more on the fact we're playing Clare next weekend we played them for nearly 100 minutes last year and the Watson not a puck of a ball between us same in ennis last year as well what do you think Skell? is this a way of um john kyle keeping his it? team focused or
2: he has to say that like that, that that'd be the same message you hear from every manager over a top level team who are, to be honest going through a period of domination like and what, whatever what was said about limerick over the last number of weeks like is is deserved you know they deserve to be to be touted as, as one of the greatest teams of all times one of the greatest sporting teams even like, in terms of what they're winning and you know, but I think he has to say it to try and like neutralize all the all the fanfare and neutralize all the, you know, the I suppose all the, the conversations that every pundit and every person is having about Limerick. So, like, it's it's a, it's smart by Kylie. He has to do it. He has to say it. Otherwise, if he if he comes in and says, "Yeah, look, we're we're in a great situation. We're going to roll through people." You know, it's only giving you know fodder to the opposition teams where he put. But like, um, I think it's deserved. Like and. Like they got through a real hard game today, um, in, in the sense that everything was kinda of thrown at them, you know. I thought Waterford tried to play the game at a pace, like they didn't want Limerick to get up and get rolling and get moving, so they, they kinda of slowed it down. Um I found it very interesting, like this I think I was going back through the games we were saying before how Limerick are sixteen games and beaten, this is now seventeen, but this is the lowest they've scored in those seventeen games, I think one eighteen over over all those. Like so it just it kinda of shows me that like Waterford played really, really compact and tried to neutralised Limerick and not get them up ahead of steam and you know they played ultra defensively but just didn't have it up top so but a, a good effort a valiant effort I think you know David Fitz will be delighted with, with his team's effort um, devastated obviously with Tiger Brook's injury but again it's it's a good second one for Waterford moving forward that they have you know a, a caught, I know they got beaten but they've been mentioned after a good performance
1: Yeah it's kind of one of those where they go into their mini break now get ready for the game against Cork after the week off They've shipped the expense of the Burke injury, so that's the anchor to their defence loss for the rest of the championship. Unfortunately, uh, Davy Fitzgerald confirmed uh, later on this evening uh, that he suffered an Achilles injury. Um, he was saying he's gutted for him that he's basically been fighting to get back for the last four or five months in his rehab from his last injury, and then to go out the first day of championship and have to come off is a very hard blow for him. But for Waterford, in a more general sense, Stephen Bennett's back scoring scored from play again today. Um, Desi Hutchinson's position is maybe becoming a little bit clearer, and like as some of our Commenters are pointing out uh for example this one Caleb lines destroyed lynch today i'm not sure if you'd say destroyed but uh, lynch's impact was definitely curtailed during the game lots of positives for Waterford to take
0: yeah lots of positives and lots of things that i think people uh people thought couldn't be done to this limerick team and like if you looked at the five five of the limerick forwards that scored after 19 minutes and the only person was Keane lynch uh i don't have keen lynch down for a score here either and it was evident, you know, about 50 minutes into the game, I was kind of saying to myself, I haven't seen a whole lot of Keane Lynch today. No, he was on the ball at times and he was on the ball, typical Keen Lynch style, in real tough, rock areas, popping the ball out, but not as influential as we've seen in other games, which is probably, you know, a real a real compliment to Waterford and how they actually decided to hold him up because the best you could hope for in any game with Keane Lynch is just that he's not as influential. I don't think you're going to keep keep him completely out of the game, but they just stemmed the tide of him being able to pop the ball off to lads left and right. Anytime he seemed to get the ball, he was surrounded by two or three players, you know, which is risky at times because it means other players are having to leave their men to go and surround him. But nevertheless, Watford did it really well in a way that once they got to him, they made sure he wasn't getting the ball off into maybe a goal-scoring opportunity or different things. But it's, um, it's, it's encouraging, and I think other teams will certainly look at what was done today uh, to see let's say preparing for Keane Lynch in future because if you can keep him quiet some of the other Limerick forwards kind of have to rely on fighting for their own ball and maybe scrapping in around the middle as well you know if you think of like the likes of Bonner Mar for Tipperary for years would have done a lot of that hard graph get the ball pop it off to lads and players also knew when he was getting the ball similar to Keen Lynch that He's going to look for a pass. He's going to look for a run off the shoulder. He's going to use the ball well, et cetera. So I think teams will look at this and go, okay, what was done today with Keen Lynch that we can bring going forward? Because if you can do that, it's like TJ Reid with Kenny. You know, it's, it's, it's like Patrick Horgan McCork. Teams will identify one particular player. That if we can hold him, well, that could be a launching pad. But, you know, there is, I mean, there's so many things. You look at Walford's performance today that, you know, really good stuff and re- and stuff that I think a lot of teams have struggled to deal with. And um, they even create a few goal opportunities, you know, which again, teams have been saying it's very tough to create goal opportunities. You may say that some of them were unorthodox in ways, just, you know, a few balls going in breaking, but that's, you know, you have to work with what you have. So there's definitely a good few things that, you know, I think people will be sifting through this going, there's things we can take from this. And if we're having a tilt at Limerick, we can, we can copy a good few of these things.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, Scal, explain to me then, what did we see from that Waterford performance that maybe Clare could copy in six days' time ahead of what feels already like a must-win game for them?
2: So, the, so you already talk about the middle third, but even this was smaller. So uh, uh, what Waterford did is they pulled back all the bodies, uh, as, or as many bodies as they could, like 14 behind the ball and left one, one man up top. So what you had is you, you just had absolute wars around the middle, and I think it's the first time... In, in by my mind, now when I go back through the shot count, like Waterford well, got more shots than Limerick, they're only 31 shots. Like, Limerick. that's that's something we haven't seen with Limerick in, I, I go as far as saying three or four years. You know, we're, we're, we've we grown so accustomed to uh, to Limerick scoring, should be shooting 50 shots, soccer, give or take, that you know, it's nearly like it's normality. We're 31, they just congested the area really tight. They, they put in so many bodies, they put in a trojan effort, defenders, and Waterford are fit, they are fit, like they. They, they put pace where they had to have pace. Barry Nash's influence was, I won't say curtailed, but at least it was kind of minimised to a lower level than what has been in the past. He, he did come away with a point, which is fair enough. Um, but the influencers, like 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 Paul was saying, Keane Lynch, like Callum Lyons, I wouldn't say cleaned him, like, but especially in the second half where Nicky was hitting, it seemed he seemed to hit puck down on top of Lynch and Lyons a good bit, and Lyons came away with you know, three out of the four. Uh, so it was like big players did, did, did Waterford's big players did good jobs on, on, on Limerick's speed players so we didn't see a major influence from Hegarty you know Tom Morrissey was, was, was pretty good in fairness but Lynch didn't do much Gillan was effective ish you could say from open play you know Donahue Donovan didn't get an awful lot let say Burns didn't get his usual 10 shots and, and 6 points you know so I just think the, the, the crowded out uh, made it really really difficult for Limerick to get through uh, hit everything that moved in fairness there was a vocal tackle count and just came short but the problem with that is it's very defensive so like 19 points is not going to get you over the over the line with Limerick because they again they just have such quality over the pitch that they can make make things happen. So like I don't know would that would that plan work for Clare? I don't think at all. it Definitely won't work for Clare because we see today that even you know, the drop off and try run through uh, the likes to be, the, the full forward line struggle big time for Clare and that that it's hugely important to have a full forward line that's effective, whether it be Garwick, Heaney. Or TJ on Cody or you look at T-Tipari with Jake Morris and, and Jason Ford. So you have to have guys at the inside square that can, that can hold the ball change the ball and have a goal stretch and that just didn't materialise for, for, for Waterford too much yesterday so it's food for thought for them
1: Yeah Murphy, you picked last week your 1-2-3-5 for Munster you didn't have Waterford qualifying do you reevaluate that based on what you saw over the 70 minutes today? Um
0: it, well, like the only thing I'd be reevaluating would be I think I think at Watford on bottom and I I'd, I'd, I'd Clare um, Fort. You know, you look at the Clare game and you kind of see Waterford at the moment look like they know a little bit more what they're about than Clare. I still want to see a small bit more from from Watford. Like I associate teams who play Limerick come with their A game every single day and they're switched on. You know, you could say in the league final, Kilkenny didn't do that, but his championship now and anything we've seen from teams over the last few years playing Limerick or just playing the All-Ireland Champions in general is that they come very focused, they come very driven, very aggressive and really have a tilt at it. And that's what Waterford did today. But it's going to be, I suppose, uh, it's going to be a challenge now for Waterford to see how do they pick themselves up now for the next game? Go at it. Do they go about the business? Or do they tune in for the next game as, as, as much as they tune in for this Limerick game? You know, because at the end of the day, you still have zero points on the board. So wait and see. You know, I mean, this time last year, I think Cork had zero points on the board after two games, but then turned it around in their third game and then, you know, kicked on. So it's, I, I still want to see a small bit more from this water team. Like, I mean, excellent performance today. And like I said, stuff we hadn't seen from them in the league. But again, it's one game and they still have zero points on the board. So they definitely, you know, it's going to be tough as well to take de Berca. That's another thing they're going to have to deal with now at the moment, because they, they, they had no time to think today, Tighe de Burka was gone, no time to think they just had to go at him and stay going at Limerick. Nevertheless, they did a great job. But now they have to prepare for life without Tighe de Burka, which is not an easy thing for Watford. They have to fill that centre-back position Austin Gleason is still to come back in. So, you know, they still have options there. Do they maybe push someone back, drop Austin Gleason into the middle and actually start him the next day? There is options there. But for me at the moment, you know, I never let one game just decide that, oh, yeah, that's it. This team is back. So it's. Um, I, think, I think time will tell it's more a bit more watered.
1: Yeah, Colin Crona making a very reasonable point on this as well. Lads, can we say a bit of deja vu from last year? I'll be it was the second round of games from Waterford lost to uh, Limerick that time around. Uh, losing pushed them to pin their collar and then the flame went out. Hope not, but De Burke is a huge loss. Um, the circumstances are a little bit different, Scal, but there is always that possibility that this was a really good performance from Waterford, but one that they have to back up or otherwise it is still going to be very difficult for them to qualify here.
2: Yeah, but I I, like, I give credit to Waterford because they, they, they came into this game in a difficult position. You know, no, no one gave them a prayer. I don't think anyone would have backed Waterford. <laughs> Nobody. No. So, for them to come in and produce a pretty pretty good performance, and I won't say make, but even did, did a really good job on them, you know, it's, it's it's positive. So, it's a step in the right direction. Um, I, <clears throat> the thing is, they've learned, they, they surely have learned lessons last year on that that effort has to be up now, that they, they can't rest in their laurels. So, I just, I wonder so a couple of things about them, though, because, like, Ozzy Gleason, like, what's the situation with him in the sense that like, if he's good enough fit enough should I say to come on surely he's fit enough to start like now, mm. even look at the league yeah. situation he, he seemed to play let's call it a big part coming on here coming on there so like if, you're, if Waterford are moving forward especially with Tiger de Burka, you're, you're going to have to see Isaac Lee get in there somewhere now does he go centre back now the Tiger's injured we saw him there last year does, does Jack Fagan or Cannon Langs move in there so there's probably a small bit of rejigging to do um, but they have to get him on the pitch big time and like look as I said they can, they can take a load of positives from today's game, but uh, again, it counts for nothing—zero points.
1: Is Gleeson not better used though, Skell, further up the pitch? Like, surely you want to get him involved as close to the opposition goal as opposed to sitting back at six?
2: Yeah, like I don't know. With my, his count, like I've I him for eight positions here when he came on, right? And of those eight positions, he got three in the front, three, three inside the opposition forty-five and five outside of it. So I'm not sure where he's been deployed. Is he? Be, is he been? Like we saw him in the square kicking like kicking over a point and then he was doing a lot of deliveries. Like his long-range shooting is excellent. His deliveries, his striking is fabulous. His catching is excellent. So you can utilize him anywhere, to be honest. But I think the way Waterford are playing where the, where the whole team is kind of sat back, it doesn't really make much sense to have Ozzie up there up top by himself because look at it, he's not the he's not a Jesse Hutchinson type speed player. So you're talking about the ball going down top of him. Whereas I think he'd be more utilized in the middle area where there'll be the halfback or the midfield in uh, dispersing the ball. So, but again... Things might change because, like, Tag's injury. That's, that's a huge void to fill for a team like Waterford who counts on him so much for possession. So, I, I think you could potentially see him centre back. I'm not sure who would fill that void because you see Lyons and Fagan are so effective on the wings moving forward, whereas, you need someone to sit back. And again, Ozzy has the skill set and the striking to do it and the brain because he's an he's a intelligent hurler, too. So, I'd say horses for courses, and this course requires Ozzy to go back centre back.
1: Paul, who are you putting in the Waterford Six jersey for two weeks' time? Tim
2: McRae. <laughs> never a
0: bad shout. <laughs> Tony Brown is going to come in, I think, uh, wing-back sevens, so push them across. Like, you could see, realistically, um, you know, Caleb Lines could fill that quite well. I think he saw Jack Fagan and Caleb Lines <laughs> on the two wings. But, you know, Caleb Lines, he, he's been excellent for Waterford really, over the last, you know, couple of years. He has the athleticism to drive straight through the middle. We've seen he's excellent in the air, well able to go forward and take a score. So potentially what Davey looks at is, you know, pushing Caelum Lines into centre, doing a great job on Keen Lynch today, and then maybe put another runner in the channel on, on five. You know, they, they have plenty of lads there. Like they do have a good panel and they do have lads sitting on the bench there that have a good energy um, are able to work them channels as well. So I think what potentially we'll see happen here, I, I don't see myself, Austin Deason, going back centre-back. I think the furthest we'll see him go back is maybe midfield and have him pushing onto the goal that that way. But I I'd agree with Skell. I don't see him going in full forward either. Like I mean, we saw Kyle Hayes being like Robocop chasing him down for the goal. Yeah. And I think where Austin Gleason, you need him out in the middle of the field. He, he's a player who can get on the ball, like Skell said. Like he's in in that middle yeah. third where you have your half back line, midfield, and half forward line. Those players should also be your best players that are able to get on the ball in tough positions and find themselves on the ball austin Gleeson is one of those and i think in those positions not only for his shooting ability but also for his ability to open up the game in terms of looking up and providing a great pla- a pass for like the likes of desi hutchinson so i think what happens the next day is possibly that caleb Lyons goes in towards center back and then we see someone slotting into the right half back position then um, and potentially a fairly like Davey might look at it from the point of view of getting a bit more of an attacking player going in wing back but that, that being their launching pad for going up the channels to get a few more scores so I think uh, I don't see Austin Gleason sitting in there
1: Mm. Uh, we've also got uh, Tom from Dublin over on the Facebook a couple of uncharacteristic wides from Hutchinson down the straight uh, didn't help matters what did you make of Hutchinson's performance Gal? because this year pretty much everything about Desi at Intercounty has discussed how deep he's been playing we saw the stats uh, particularly with the amount of possessions that he was receiving between the 45s as opposed to being close to the opponent's goal what do you think of Desi's performance today? Um, it
2: was better because he, again he was closer to goal um, but I saw a very uh, was it like an interesting tweet if I just find if you know, I get the exact wording. Um, bear with me for a second. It was from Sean Flynn. <clears throat> you know, the he, he does like analysis and, and uh, statistics EA on performance. On yeah. yeah, so he's very good. But he had a very interesting tweet that I said. So essentially, he, he said De- Desi Hutchison, uh rolled with Watford 2022 versus 2023. So in 70 minutes of the 2022 game, the, he got five shots from play and scored five points. In 241 minutes of game time in 2023, he had five shots from play. So he's the same amount of shots over the whole league you could, uh, that he had in one game versus Limerick last year. So that was a sure sign that he had to get pushed in. You know, which yeah. is an amazing stat you, if you ask me. But again, like he got he got back on form. I think did he hit three? Would that be right? No. I mean, three got three, three, point three points, points. Yeah. Three points. Yeah. yeah like and look, they were The wides were uncharacteristic. Um, who knows why? shit happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? A couple of wides, but it's good, good to see him back in there, utilizing his pace. Um, I think for for Waterford to go forward, they have to have him in around the square. Whereby he's doing lateral runs across the line, occupying full back, full back lines because if they don't, like, the, will was struggling for an out ball to be honest. Um, good to see Bennett getting back into a bit of a scoring, you know, a form again. Like he said, he had a, he had a bit of a topsy turvy league to be honest. So again, those two guys, like, they're they're pivotal, and I think if Waterford were to go anywhere, <clears throat> those two guys have to be hitting like four, five points from play each, and that, that's just that's just what's required because other teams are doing that. Like if you, we talk about the Limerick, what's Glen going to pop up with, or, or, or Lynch, whatever. There are multiple guys who hit four or five times, so you need your big players putting in big performances, and it's good to see Desi back uh, in, into good form in a position he should be in.
1: Yeah, um, lots of questions about the referee and lots of arguments, uh, particularly on our YouTube live chat at the moment, <laughs> uh, about the refereeing and the way the Limerick are being refereed. But just, you know, play with here for a second. Let's just see if we can tease this out ever so slightly. Sure, um, ref- course, yeah. Paul, <laughs> what did you make of the referee in performance? Because, I mean, we were WhatsApping during the game because we were all watching the telly, and your first instinct was, for Liam Gordon or whoever was out there in the game, this wasn't an easy game to referee between Limerick and Waterford this afternoon. No, it wasn't. It, it reminded me straight away of the Munster
0: final last year. Uh, and again, I always have to say with all these things, whatever your initial thought on the any incident is, that's also the referee's initial thought because he gets one look at it. He doesn't get a second look at it. And let's say, for example, use Seamus Fanagan's one. When... Uh, Stephen Bennett took the shot. and He was hooked by Peter Casey. I saw him being hooked by Peter Casey. Casey carried through. You looked, but your eyes follow the ball. Suddenly, Bennett's on the ground. There's a few lads on the ground. I think Casey was on the ground. Flanagan was on the ground. I thought very much in that instant, for example, that Casey had caught Bennett going through and they fell and they hit the ground. It was only on the replay that I saw Flanagan got a clip yeah. on, got a shoulder yeah. onto him. Um, sure. And I know a lot of people are saying now afterwards on Liam Gordon that. You know, red card for Flanagan. I think Fl- Flanagan will get a ban after this. Like he, he'll get you know retrospective, but in the moment, like three or four players ran in through the middle of that, very hard thing to watch. And the ball breaks in another direction. So I was looking at going. This is extremely tough for Lean Garden. Um, you look at the likes of look Hegarty got his red cards. You know, as in Hegarty gave him a, a bit of shit there in the first half, and he he. Gave him a yellow card. Caught him then for the for the heavy tackle then. I can't remember which Waterford player it was. But then in fairness, even to him then, picked up that the selector kind of hit Hegarty a slap. Uh, You know, the linesman, whoever picked it up, and, and gave him a red card. Like, he was doing his best in fairness. There was a few tackles then that, you know, he gave Barry Nash a yellow for the slap on Stephen Bennett. Again, you could see Barry Nash hands up straight away himself and Stephen Bennett shook hands afterwards. Some people were saying that maybe Barry Nash was lucky after that. Very, you know, marginal stuff, really marginal stuff there. But I think it was a tough game for Liam Garden, you know, and I know pa- mm. fans are passionate, the blood is up, and it was a very intense, very passionate game. But, you know, you kind of have to step back, like <clears throat> the blood cool, look at it and go, if you were in the middle, would you have called? would you have been able to call them? I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have been able to call them as quickly or as easy. And for decisions that are marginal, you know, if they can go either way, you're never going to please anyone. You know, if, 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 if someone thinks, oh, Barry Nash could have been sent off, Barry Nash could have been sent off today because I know there was another foul in the second half in towards uh, Watford got a 21-yard free afterwards where he tripped up a lad. You know, potentially there, maybe Barry Nash gets a second jello because he fouled previously at, before that as well. Potentially, but it's all marginal stuff. It's not blatant stuff that the referee, for me, deserves people getting up on his back for him. Um, I thought it was. I just thought, look, bottom line, it was a very tough game to ref, and I don't think, I don't think he had a bad game. And I know lads that jump come out of the woodwork there saying, "Geez, a shocking game," because I've seen it already on Twitter. But I think it was a tough, tough game for him to like, for him to ref.
2: Like there were three seven frees in the game, mm. and do you not think if if he if refed like we see so many club games ref that he's blown for what everyone perceives to be a foul, that the crowd would go crazy for the oxen side? Yeah. So there was there was a lot of arms in stuff. A lot of what it looked like to be pulling of the arms, pulling at the hurl. I get that, like this frustration there. Both sides were doing it. So it wasn't one mm-hmm. one side was getting overly favoured from the other. You yeah. know? So it's very it's very hard for him to see that in real time. I agree with you, fight I think the game is so fast and physical that we do need some sort of assistance. Not be not the fourth official level, but someone like a bit like a you know a on rugby where he can yeah. just Go down to Liam and say, Liam, that's the red card for Shane Flanagan.
0: Yeah, we, we need a. Fella sitting, in, sitting in a van outside with like just headphones on, not listening to the the crowd, not listening to everything, and just exactly that, just going actually pressing the button, saying, lads, I think we have something here. You need to see because maybe then, like I, I think, then that any great go out the window. Then, you, like you're never yeah. going to please everyone. You're never. Like, gonna...
2: it's, not, it's, not, it's not that difficult to do because I know, like, mm-hmm. Chris O'Connor was telling me before, like when he was doing stats for for Sky, they put him in a van. And he just starts right and he stays there. Like, so it's not that difficult to get a person situated in, on the ground of some sort. You don't need a huge amount of technology. You don't yeah. need a huge amount of software or, or, or again, a workload for or a team. You just need a couple of people and, and, and sort it. And just, it saves not an awful lot of hassle. And who knows the, the impact or effect that could have had on the game if, if Seamus just was getting the right card. You know, for instance, yeah. that, again, I fully missed it as well, Mark. I completely missed it. And so when yeah. I saw the replay, I said, oh, Jesus, that's, that's a ready fee if he gets caught and I agree with you it will be a retro, retrospective ban because it's, in fairness whether there's intent or not it's deserving of a red, so yeah. deserving of a ban yeah. again
0: yeah.
2: Um, but again I have to say that it's a hard game Like I, I just think Horton is so bloody hard to referee these days I'd imagine because yeah. there's yeah. so many you know I won't say body parts but the, the arm's in is what I can't understand I, I, I look at some games and go that's a free and then it's, it plays on and then other games, I say, that's not free, and it's free. I just don't know where they're going. The only obvious free I see anymore is, if, is either catch the ball three times or a chop. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. very hard for me to, to d- differentiate between what's you know, what's free. Now, so I can't imagine what the referees are going through. And this is coming from lads who played the game on the ground, senior inter-county at fast level, so we know that like things happen, arms go in, left, 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 right, and even we can't differentiate. No. You know, so it's, it's it's a thankless job. And look, look at if we're on the receiving end of a bad decision, we give out like shit. I do anyway. You know, especially in the club. But <laughs> as I said before, I'd never become a referee because it's, it's difficult. And I think we have to. What would I say? Mind them to a certain degree. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I won't say like oh, I won't say mollycoddle but at least don't you know, don't fucking reprimand them for for what I thought is a difficult game for ref.
0: What well, I actually sorry, thought as well, not to go to... I'm sorry, Will, but no, no, no. I thought they actually in G.A. Go, they interviewed Thomas Welsh. wasn't it? Thomas Welsh yeah. I thought that was actually very good, very refreshing. It mm. kind of put a human element into it because you could just see, like, you know, he was talking that himself and the lads, he was really excited for the game. They drove up in the car. They were having a bit of a crack in the car. He said he went to his mother's house for the Friday this morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It kind of puts the human element because, like, lads, if you only see these lads week in, week out on the pitch, like, no more than the players. You forget they're somebody who's waking up tomorrow morning going into work. And you know, all they want genuinely all they want to do is the best job they can. And they want to be hopefully not talked about Monday morning, meaning they probably did a good job. But I thought that was actually really well done out of GA go that the interview the referee. I can't remember the last time I saw a referee interviewed, you know.
1: No, it's you know, a new I, innovation, yeah. Actually I sure correct. you like it. But I was just thinking, it's funny even when you just look down to the reaction currently and the back and forth that's gone about the referee. So you see Limerick twenty eighteen saying he was whistle happy so much that there was eight minutes etc. in the second half, um, which meant that maybe he was being too strict on certain things then you've got TV Street who uh, very humorously welcomed Owen Murphy to the conversation earlier on Thanks as well. very much TV Street uh, good d- man Difficult woman, match, I don't know or a woman who knows difficult match to referee <laughs> um, you've got Gary Farrell here the referee was bad for both teams due to the pace but Limerick could have had more red cards Nash could and should have got a second yellow and Flanagan was a dirty hit uh, that will be looked at afterwards oh, I, I think it will be um, I yeah. think there's a very good chance he gets a, I, a, a retrospective suspension go on uh, on the rules so
2: if, if, if Barry Nash got a black card is that a red card after if, he, if he's on the yellow and he gets the black, is that a red? Ooh, gosh, good gosh, man, gosh. Asking, a tough, asking
0: a tough question on live shows, Kekel. Good man. <laughs> 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 See, we're not prepared for it because the black card hasn't been in for a good while. I'm trying to think answers there. I, I think it is because didn't, um, didn't Calem Lyons get one in Waterford versus Dublin? Didn't he pull down Donald Burke in the first match and he was after getting the yellow already, so he got a red card after taking the black?
2: Yeah. I think is, you're right You, you, you access the mainframe There didn't you That's, that's good That's good knowledge Right there This is where the live Comes in handy Because it just doesn't Look like When we're pre-recording
0: People can think That we're actually Just pausing stuff
1: <laughs> no, we're definitely, no we're definitely not So you've got no, me no, Actually yeah, googling yeah. The rulebook here
0: No I'm fairly sure yeah. Caleb Lines In the second half Against Dublin In the first match He had was on a yellow He pulled down Donald Burke Or Cian Boland For the penalty and For the penalty And he, yeah. he was sent off
1: Yes I think you're right Okay um, I'm on uh, the GA rulebook, and it's taken far too long to find. But this is probably what happens if you watch our uh, YouTube and you see either Skeller or I reaching for the phone at some point to very quickly check something that's come up. Uh, so, if there's any uh, would be referees, uh, definitely is yellow plus black equals red, Kieran Hardy. Thank you, Kieran, man, Kieran. for confirming that. Uh, we are going to trust you 100% that you're right on that one. Um, so, yeah, look, the debate's going back and forth on this one. I, again, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not sure scale about this idea that some people are putting forward this like oh Limerick need to be refereed more harshly than they are right now and that would have a huge impact. Like I'm not sure there's a huge amount you could take from today that the referee saw and didn't deal with that actually had yeah, I agree. a difference on the uh, result if you know what I, I
2: mean. I, I, sorry, I don't, I don't agree with the statement about mm. referee being, or the Limerick have to be refereed harsher. I think the big instance were pulled. Now obviously the Flanagan one was missed, but I think that was genuinely missed by everybody. But I think Anthony that was actually captured, you know, was captured. You know, um, essentially, like they they do live on the edge. To be honest, you know, if you look at any team, like I guess mean, Kenny and their palm too, they were on the edge. You know, and I and I know for a fact, like when we were going pretty good, like, we were told to go to the edge. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's the size. Yeah. Like like it, it was it would have been said, let the referee pull you, do you know, let the, let the linemen catch you, let the umpires catch you, but go to the absolute edge. And if you're met at the edge, keep going further. Do you know what I mean? That's just, that was the reality of at the time because he couldn't take a step back. And that's what Limerick play, to be honest. They're, they're a big, physical, brutish team and they're going to utilise that as their strength. And I, again, if I was over Limerick, I'd say I'd do the same thing. And then it's up to other other teams to match that and then the referees to keep it in the, in the rule book. It's that simple. You know, like when there's incidents, they need to be punished. Kyle Hayes is punished. Uh, who else got banned? Was it Hegarty got banned or someone got banned? Uh, Willow
1: Dunner who got banned, respectively. Willow Dunner got banned
2: for the Tipperary yeah. League game. Yeah, and it looks like Shane Flanagan's good. So they're getting there is yeah. action being taken, you know. So they are going to be likely miss Shane Flanagan for the Clare game. Yeah. So
1: yeah. There is uh, no update, by the way, for those who've been asking about the Declan Hannon injury. Uh, John Kelly said afterwards he didn't have any news in the media scrum afterwards. So right to the reckon it was? yet. I, I don't know, he he him,
2: no, I couldn't see limping. I couldn't see Anthony's hand. I was. Tannis. I was wondering.
1: I mean, he was in the league final.
0: You'd wonder. I uh, know, maybe not, but like, you know... He's a, he's
2: a very bad strike, Murph. Do that before that? He, he's he's very a mean card strike. Straight into de Burka. And de, it was, was Waterford's first
0: shot of the game because he just... He went yeah. down and it, as soon as he did it, I went, that's... I, how long since I've seen a Limerick player do that? Just strike a, a bad ball down because de Burka got it. And I was waiting to see at which stage was the first shot Watford would get from play. Uh, and I think it was nine minutes in, the Burka took a shot. That was when Declan Hannan hit it. Was the one. And I was saying... He doesn't look
1: right there You know No hmm. uh, Philip Cosgrave By the way Anti-Limerick show I would say Listen back to Philip. Any of Skell's uh, no, Conversations Philip. about Limerick during the week Or during the year I should say where uh, Jesus, You don't have to go back To last week Yeah He's been accused Philip. of Calling them the greatest team Of all time So there you go um, We are Absolutely against them. Hundred percent, agree yeah. totally. Right, let's let's switch across <laughs> then we and can talk. The, yeah, yeah.
2: the whole championship, the whole Limerick team should throw on the championship. For that.
1: <laughs> That'll be the only snippet now. That'll be yeah. As I was about to say, you know, you know, someone's going to clip that uh, really badly <laughs> now. At this isn't go. Geez, you won't believe what that mad James Skehill had said about Limerick. <laughs> he wants them kicked out of the championship. Um, Clare against Tipperary. Then uh, we joked earlier about Tipper back, but Tip scoring goals is definitely back. Uh, This has been such a trade of Liam Carl's sides We talked about his Waterford team And how clinical they were in going for goals last year Um, Paul, they scored 5.22 this afternoon And even at the various times where Clare were able to fight back And like Aidan McCarthy scores one thirteen today Which was a remarkable scoring tally at a time when Tipperary I think did a decent enough job of clogging up the space for Tony Kelly Uh, But Aidan McCarthy was very much to the fore Um, But every time Clare came back into it and got it back to four points Or got back within five points Tipperary were able to find another goal 522 is outrageous scoring
0: Yeah, outrageous scoring and it just goes back to our Tipperary are really just so consistent each week at the moment in terms of what they're about, it's very simple what they're doing in terms of, they're very clinical, you give them a sniff at the moment there's no indecision and that's just something that I I just have to admire in this TIP team that if you make a mistake they'll punish you and that's it and I know that's a cliche sometimes but there was three mistakes, let's say, uh, in goal scoring opportunities for Tipperary today. Let's say the other two they kind of created and they punished them. And if you go back as far as Kenny playing Tipper in Nolan Park when we were speaking about it, the one thing for me with Tipperary that day was th- th- their, their thought pattern seemed to be very clear. You know, they were getting the ball, they were moving, popped the ball once they were in five or ten yards of space run towards goal, over the bar, reset. It wasn't anything real technical. It wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't like that they were playing a mad tactic. And then through the rest of their games, this pattern followed where, you know, if they had an opportunity, they made a really good decision, worked the ball well and scored. And today, I think it's a lot of it as well. Not only were Tip in form for it, they started like, you know, at an electric pace, but Claire also fed into it. Claire made so many mistakes that if we're talking that Tipperary, our team, are going to punish you for making mistakes, it's also a reflection of how many mistakes Clare were making in coughing up possession and bad handling errors and leaving space open. You know, likes of Jake Morris, Jason Ford, and these lads, they're looking for space at the moment. They're looking to create space. They're looking to exploit you. You have lads like Noel McGrath and these in the middle who are playmakers who will look for that space also. And I think there's just an element to both. You know, Tipperary would be absolutely delighted today. Going up to Ennis, I mean, we said last week this was flip of the coin stuff. Um, you know Clare could come out put in a really good performance and win but just based on what we saw the indications where the Tipperary would would just about win but we didn't think they'd rack up a score like this which will be a concern it's more of a concern I think for Clare than it is you know a fair reflection of uh, Tipperary's score and prowess at the moment I think other teams like even you know if Tipperary were playing Galway here today they weren't racking up five goals you know I don't think Galway would have coughed up you know funny enough at the weekend we're saying that's in it after Galway coughing up two fairly handy goals I don't think another team would have given them as much opportunity. So there's a bit to sift through there with Clare as well, and and what they're giving away to other teams at the moment. Because if you look at the two goals Mark Rogers got before half time, and you take away some of the tip, the Clare mistakes down at the other end and Tip getting goals, you know Clare Clare are in a really strong position to go and win this match. But it was more their errors that just cost them on the day. But you have to give credit to Tip as well. Tip were really sharp the amount of players that came on I have them down for I think 10 scores here 11 scores lads coming off the bench so like that's great and Liam Cal will be delighted with that
1: yeah, um, Patrick Hickey there, Clare's supporter, was at the game today, I was in Ennis. Clare gifted tip goals. Clare's shooting was awful at times. That's one of the things that really comes back to Haunt's is that when you're coughing up the goals, I bring you the three in the first half, and then you take into account the 15 wides that Clare had across the game as well. Um, Clare had every chance of winning this game. Their defeat was self-inflicted to a large extent.
2: Absolutely. Like, think back to the last championship game with against King last year in the semi-final. And do you remember when they were down, they kept shooting from just crazy angles? It was just monotonous shooting, wide after wide after wide. Not alone is going wide, but it's absolutely energy sapping for you as a team and for the crowd. Yeah. You know, so I that's why I've, I've written here temporary full forward line, four eleven, clear for forward line, two, three. It's the important mm-hmm. I it could talk not get wrong. 4 four eleven is included, some Jason Ford's freeze. I get that. But like a lot of the freeze are made from efforts. You could say that like, like the penalty, for example, freeze efforts from people in the forward line. And it's just I think Claire. For them to go forward, they've got absolutely electric people in Shannon and McCarthy McCartney, and Tony Kelly. Utilize those three guys the best you can. We didn't see Tony Kelly at all. And we didn't see Shannon much in the second half. I thought he was very good in the first half. Use them more. And the second thing for me is get your full forward and going. You need to have retention people in there. Like Mark Rogers looks like a storm. Can go one to can go man to man, you could say, utilise them more. See shots. Some of these shots are crazy. Like like there's only one or two people in the country I think that can that can regularly with a high efficiency rate, shoot from let's say seventy-eight yards, like Jimmy Burns is the one. So, it's, and it's hard to name another couple. Do you know what I mean? So, like in, by the law of averages, I think Claire just need to focus on utilizing the forwards more, and it'll come come good. Those goals won't go in every day, though. Let's like they, they they just won't. You know what I mean? They they learn from that. They won't lay in five, um. But they were like Jake Morris gave, you know, he gave Joe Hogan and Hayes a hard time. You know, an absolute hard time. So that just shows the benefit of having someone who can utilize the ball, take on defenses, and occupy so much because if your foot forward line is going well. Then, they're, then the full-back line is screaming for assistance for the half-back line. So they're pulling everything back and just sp- space opens up. And like I wanted to mention for Noel McGrath, who I'm a big fan of him, he's he's he turned 34 this year and putting put a, a performance at midfield in today's game the way he did, excellent. Hmm. Uh,
1: let's talk about defensive performances then. And Skell, get your notebook ready, because I'm going to do the Mikey Butler mentioned this week, not Paul. Um, <laughs> this is the best performance we've seen on Tony Kelly. Since Mikey Butler, and it came from Carl yeah. Barrett today. And um, Porak Bowden says Carl Barrett, most underrated hurler in the country. Tony Kelly didn't get involved today. Um, so give us the defensive breakdown here, Murph, on what happened. Uh, why did Carl Barrett, uh, or how was he able to actually stop Tony Kelly from having his usual influence today?
0: I just think very similar like you said to that person that plays cornerback from Kilkenny that I won't mention because Skettle will, will hop all over me but it's okay look. I mention him so work away <laughs> uh, yeah like I mean I think they've just followed the template of Mikey Butler just you know stick on him and if 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 Carl Barrett and Kyle Barrett didn't hold the ball in his hands and came out with a few balls today but you marking that down Skettle, I marked yeah, Do you're on him? two, four, oh, six, Jesus it, ten, ten, ten times of 13 times. Which <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I mean Barrett just stuck to him. And in fairness, Carl Barrett, you know, he he doesn't mind staying in that role if he doesn't hold the ball. Let's say for a whole half, fine. And then if a ball or two breaks, he'll break out to it, pop off a hand pass, and he's happy enough. That's his job. So yeah, it was interesting. Like you know, we saw a great point from Kelly in the second half, but that was really it. I mean, he had no influence on the game, and I think teams are just looking at Tony Kelly now that. It's very much a case. And I think until Claire actually have a definite plan for Tony Kelly in terms of how they're going to get him on the ball. Like, I think very much we see Tony Kelly over the last few years being his own kind of genius in terms of getting on the ball, creating his own chances. I think Claire have to look at from the point of view of how do we create chances for Tony Kelly. Do you know? I mean, we saw him in the first half there. He ran into a cul-de-sac because I think he felt he hadn't been in the game for 10 or 15 minutes. Claire had given away a few goals and now Tony Kelly felt I have to go and do something incredible here, score a goal. When a point was on and he would have been in the game, then he kind of forced the issue. Whereas, you know, I'm looking at Claire going, How you should be facilitating this man come into the game, um, whatever whatever that looks like, uh, get him closer to goal, potentially more in eleven position. Like, you know, he was out around the middle of the field today and Kyle Barrett was following him. So I'd be looking at Claire going, Well, how do we get this man into the game? And like it's funny, you know, Scale obviously mentioned you know, the likes of O'Donnell and these lads and, like, the really the, the great players I have at the moment. And, like, three other lads who are top-quality forwards here. The likes of Aaron Shanahan, Peter Duggan, Ian Galvin. Like, you know what? Like, they have serious firepower there. And, like, th- players who play different styles of hurling. Like, Peter Duggan, you go back as far as 2017, was it, when they played in the semifinal? Would that have been right? skettle in, mm-hmm. in Crow Park. Peter Duggan had an 80, incredible yeah. game. Right. Eighty. Yeah, do you know, yeah. electric, incredible hurler. So like yeah. Claire have all the components there. But the big thing I'd be looking at is like Tony Kelly, like I said, over the last few years it's very much been a rider rover stuff where he kind of is landing on ball himself, creating it himself, running all over the place, enormous enormous athleticism. But I think Claire, if you look at it now and go, Okay, Tony Kelly is racking up what they haven't known for today, a one Tony point. Kelly, yeah. One point in a game lads if we create opportunities that this fella can run onto doesn't matter who's marking him then because we've created the platform for him to take over the ball as opposed to him going you think you go back as far as the match last year against was it against Limerick uh, where he caught a ball landed on his back got up and scored a point you know he'll
1: do that that was a monster finally it was like a tortoise in that game
0: yeah he was on he's on the flat of his back like you know so
1: It was like a tortoise. tortoise it's an of, animal. Around the scale, a shell and these some of up. these in the
0: Galapagos there's these animals called tortoises, you know. An awesome reason. let the
2: lip now, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like a wash. But you know, so that's just where I see that at the moment, like realistically, players need to figure out they have a big kind of a question mark there over Tony Kelly in terms of how do we get him into the game? If they get him into the game, be 10 points for work of, of a player
2: for a player. I think down say with Mikey Butler and Carl Barris that like they've done the man-marking job. So Tony Kelly, when he, when he goes well, he finds himself in pockets of space moving between positions where someone's not necessarily man-marking him. He's going yeah. between lines, you could say. So if he's been man-marked, would not put him into a position like a, a centre-forward or a full-forward type role and just feed the ball to him and he'd make it work?
1: Yeah, you know
2: I mean? yeah. Then you're, you're, you're like letting him you're getting him the ball. Because I fully agree with you, everything he does is magic. It's, self, it's self-creation. And yeah. it's, it's, it's ridiculous stuff because he has to go and carry out this ridiculous stuff to get the ball, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. Like If he
2: if he doesn't go well, Clare don't go well, trust me. And when he goes well, Clare go very well. But when when he goes well, it's usually, like you said, ride over stuff. But if he can go well yeah. in a more structured, orthodox kind of setup, yeah. whereby he's being fed the ball, big difference. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. Mm.
1: Uh, I don't disagree with Martin Furlong about the job that Damien Reck did on Tony Kelly last year, but... If you're going to argue it's the best performance on Tony Kelly since Damien Reck. You're writing off Mikey Butler. Do that at your peril in front of Paul Murphy, I would say. You're um, Reck that. Up again. No, and in fairness, Reck was a, a massive miss uh, for Wexford in the weekend uh, just come by, especially when it looked like he was going to start. Lee Chin was missing as well. Um, the damage done to my fancy team by late withdrawals this week was just untold. I think the average that's been done in our group is about 150 to 160 points. I think I'm sitting on 74 or something from the weekend just come by. So it's all gone horrifically wrong uh, with some. Some of the injuries that were picked up along the way uh, david Fitzgerald's uh driving midfield was a massive loss as well uh, patrick as well from claire uh, saying that yeah, yeah i mean it was the, the suspension got back to hurt him quite a bit mm. um his influence with his scoring scale and with the amount of ball he gets on the middle of the field he was a big miss today wasn't he
2: chemistry yeah, he's an all-time midfielder mm-hmm. like if you take someone out of that quality over any team like it's going to set you back a bit um, and i think today the way the game was 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 played. There was a lot, an awful lot of shots taken. Like, and he's shooting from midfield is probably the bar Tony Kelly is probably the best of all. You know, so he's he's a huge loss. But again, it's a it's a plus. He's coming back next week uh, or this weekend. Coming should I say for for the Limerick game? and They're going to need him like because they're like they they as we said if they go out of the first two games with, with zero points. Tricky proposition, let's you know, a tricky proposition to try to get out of that group. So um they need everyone, they need everyone fish, everyone ready to rock for for a big game of the weekend, but sure, yeah, David sorely missed.
1: I presume you can both guess who the last team temporary were to beat in championship. Twenty months ago it happened. July twenty twenty
0: one. July twenty twenty one, last team to bet in championship.
1: Uh Jesus. Claire. Claire, correct they book-ended their championship wins either side by beating Clare. So that, that obviously it was six, six games beaten, wasn't it? And this is yeah. their... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So psychologically, Paul, how important is this win for Tipperary? Um, you know, TIP fans yeah. will always say TIP are back. I'm not sure if they're 100% back just yet. But psychologically, when it comes to the rest of this um, group stage in Munster, how important yeah. was getting today's oh. win? Because you both said last week, you kind of fancied Tipperary to win against Clare, but going to Ennis is incredibly difficult to do so. And now they've started off with this win how important is the win psychologically Paul? Uh, I think it's a big
0: one like I think tomorrow morning I've experienced these kind of wins like they definitely would have targeted this match as soon as they were finished with the league and they finished with Limerick um, this was the match they were targeting and you can guarantee like you know the tip players would have been enjoying coming into this match going do you know what you know we're really refreshed we know what we're about. We've been hurling really well, and you know, you can tell that the players are enjoying what they're doing, even in the games in the league, because it's it's hard not to when you know when you know what you're about on a pitch. That's one of the most enjoyable things <coughs> for a player because you get the most out of your your team, whether you're winning or losing, you get the most out of your team. But they would have targeted this game, and tomorrow morning they're waking up with it. Now they have a week off. This this is their week off now this week, and they get to go and watch Watford and Cork in Parky next weekend. They have a great win. Over player mm-hmm. and their next game then is the Saturday the sixth of May against Cork. So like yeah. Cork are looking at the Waterford game now, going right. We want to get a good start against a serious Waterford team who actually put up a battle against him They don't know what they're going to get out of that Waterford team, but they're going to get a battle. And Tipperary get to sit back now, look on, and go. We're going to pick through this Cork performance and see where we can exploit it so I think where Tipperary are at the moment are going brilliant this is absolutely brilliant start and like these are only things that you can kind of figure out week to week as this Munster Championship plays out because you know you can look at teams gap weeks you can look at the, the, the order in which they have their matches but until they play those matches and have wins and losses it's hard to read into them a whole lot but like Tipper would be delighted tonight going home Liam Cal will have played a lot of players. A lot of players got scores. A lot of players hurled really well. A lot of players got game time. There's so many positives. When a hard match, or one against Clare in Ennis, you know, racked up a big score. Tomorrow morning, they'll be buzzing to get back to work. Tomorrow night, recovery, Tuesday night, whatever it's going to be. Knowing that we're going to have a nice bit of training now this week, we'll get to have, you know, train Saturday, probably watch the Cork match, back into training, and go at Cork then the following week. Like I think Tip are... Really happy after this and really, really happy. And I think the Tip fans will be really happy as well because they have something that they can grasp now going, we could potentially go to a monster final here. You know, if we turn over Cork, suddenly Tip are in pole position now to go at a monster final with Limerick. And, and Tip won't fear playing Limerick if they do get there. If we you know, if we talk down the road, Tip won't fear that. So is this being the first building block? I think Tip are absolutely delighted tonight.
1: Yeah, I mean, in all scale, five championship debutants, uh, Brian McGrath coming alongside his brothers today, Johnny Ryan, uh, Brian Amara, Alan Tynan, Garoad O'Connor, players who played well in the league and have been rewarded for that league form by a start today by Liam Cal. And that's a good injection of new blood into the team too. And what I thought was quite interesting, I was listening to Nash on Thursday night and off the ball, and he was asked about the Liam Cal effect. And he said that Brian Amara, who he had coached in third level for the Fitzgibbon for the last couple of years he said yeah. that Brian O'Mara went to America last year because he was waiting for Liam Cal to come back and become the Tipperary manager
2: it's a bold statement isn't it
1: it is but I presume he's not saying it out of nowhere I presume yeah, that conversation yeah. must have happened absolutely um, yeah.
2: just when, when Paul was talking like he was saying about how the Tipperary people are waking up I just think managing the team like a win like this after coming back off a disappointing championship last year it really it galvanises the group because first of all yeah, the players believe what the management are about so everything they're being told every, the way they're being coached the way they're being trained etc now the players fully buy into it they believe it you know what I mean and the, like I was the management the managers didn't believe in the players that they're giving debuts to bringing on like Statham did well like Ryan Bo you know lads that are getting some minutes into in, a, in an intense environment so that, that the two points is great but at the back of it all I say when you go to a difficult venue as uh, effectively a new team both on the pitch and on the sideline and you come away with a result that big against a season team who are in year four of their of their journey, if you want to call it. That is absolutely huge. Like that is huge for them to go forward. And I think this this not all the two points, but this is going to bring them up an extra couple of levels. I think. Truthfully, I think, and they go down to Cork, heading to Parkyqueave into a venue they think that they can win. And so if they come away yeah. with the first two rounds, and having two home games in with Limerick and Waterford, she's like they're they're. I agree with you, more. If They're looking at this going, yeah. Let's let's head let's head for most of Let's see let's see where where this takes us. You know, yeah. Um, and like just as you put it up there, this win in us would be the make of the tip team. I fully I, I believe it. You know, it's it galvanizes them everything, and it's more it's more than more than two points. And like is Bonner I just question? Is he injured or was he on the sobs today?
1: Don't, don't get me started on this match, say, 26. Um, I can find it here now. Um, Shamed, I, I think Liam L- Carroll
0: was listening to Skell and his American football. He named an American football panel. Uh, I love Bonner Mauer Bonner, Bonner, Bonner was wearing TJ, was it TJ, or what's the one saying, JJ Watt, 66 on his back or whatever it is. 99, oh, come on. 99. 99, ah, must have at that upside down.
1: <laughs> I, I kind of like the Jason Ford 007 and all that. Uh, Brian I thought he should have gone the whole way. Maybe it's a rule have the keeper as well with fucking 17 in his back. <laughs> <21. laughs> okay. uh, Bonnarmaier was on, was on the bench wearing 11. Ah. Right. But he was number 11 based on his alphabetical order with the exception yeah. of... As people have probably gathered because I stuck up the fact his alphabetical order on Friday when it came out and people were like, well, Barry, Hogan, Barry Hogan clearly isn't. And you're like, well, look, they've clearly done one in 16. They were the a,
0: keeper's jerseys, yeah.
1: Maybe it's yeah. Their, their Plenty plenty of respect for that, but um, seeing Mikey Breen pop up in positions in number four, seeing Jason Ford in seven, I don't know. Like, I saw the program today, and I don't think that's Tipperary's fault that the program was printed out with just, effectively, I'm looking at the, we normally have the team lined out, and just the 26 are just there, and great Mm. surprise. You're doing what you will. (laughs) Yeah. They've gone around. They've got around this scale. I don't know if, did do you really care? I mean again, people in the comments did you really care the Tipperary didn't name a team, one. didn't name subs, who a shit. I, I
0: don't really care. And do you know what? Again, uh, Liam Cahal addressed it, you know, before the match. He said look at um, you know, we were asked to supply a team which we weren't comfortable with because we hadn't um, we hadn't told our own team yet. And there's a few variables, which I understand. Like, you know, you might have injuries, you might have whatever. Do you put out a dummy team? Do you not put out a team, whatever? And he just wasn't comfortable with it. And that's what he said. And he said, look, hopefully in future we'll be able to actually, you know, not have to do this. Um, but like, I wasn't too fussed with it. look again it's I it's know an traditionalists and people like to see you know so you can maybe enjoy the look into the game to see the matchups and all these different things but even if a player is wearing 15 on his back he could go out and play centre forward Like so it's, hmm. it's, it's it's harder this day and age to actually read into it anyway but you know in fairness to Liam Cal he was asked a question before the game uh, on GA Go and he just said look at it, uh, this is this is what, the way we approached it we weren't comfortable but hopefully the next day we won't have to do it you know
1: yeah um, Joe Butler raising the point guys what do you think of the numbering of the jerseys for Tipperary players A bit respectful <laughs> to neutral spectators I, I think it does suck if you go and buy a programme and you pick the programme up yeah, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. saw today that has 1 to 26 just laid across the pitch as right. opposed to having a team but I just I looked at a lot of teams that come in my focus was on the football because what I was doing on the radio earlier today a lot of the football teams that were named had 4 to 5 changes on them so you've got to bring the pen for the changes one way or another. Uh, mm. When it comes to these programs, like they're just all over the place. Uh, Patrick O'Sayn, Cal is the players now, and the talent will believe that they can win and bring an end to Limerick's run, just like in 2010 versus Kilkenny Maybe is that the key, scale That you've got this Tipperary team. Maybe they're the only ones to stop five in a row.
2: Mm. <laughs> Easy on that, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> we said they go forward. Let's, let's target the Munster final first. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Stop at Limerick is 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 going to be a tricky proposition, and I think what you said. Last week, I think Murphy ran about beating them once. The one thing and beating them twice is an entirely different proposition. So mm. that, that bet we will be watching that with uh, with interested eyes when they meet down and <clears throat> excuse me in Turles in a few weeks. Um Look, I, I, I stand by what I said a minute ago. Like it'll be the making of them together. I, I agree with you. Um, but to a point, like they have to keep growing and growing. And if they if they keep growing on a similar trajectory, producing good performances like they did today, you know who knows where to take them. You know, so you get like firstly today was the greatest performance for them. They build confidence in it. And if you if you have a team. Who knows what they're about, and they have momentum and confidence together. That's a dangerous tandem, you know. So, mm. like, and if they if they get knocked back, theoretically, you know, in, in a couple of weeks' time, can they bounce back again? You know, because that's 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 what it's all about. Like, I, I don't think I think it's a bit premature to say that they can they can take down Limerick. Have the potential, absolutely. They have the potential to do it. Will they do it is a different thing entirely.
1: What about Claire Paul, this weekend? it already feels the eight ball was used in Davy Fitzgerald's interview said they're behind the eight ball because of what happened today. Is there a kick in Clare given how well they played against Limerick last year when they go to the Gaelic grounds this Saturday night? Uh, it's a tough
0: proposition for Clare the next match with Limerick. Like, as in I don't think, to be honest, I think Limerick go and beat Clare as well from the point of view that I think John Kiley's comments are reflective of the way he's thinking at the moment, in that he is keeping his eye on Limerick, not or turning up to a game maybe stagnant. Like today you have to put you have to also say that Limerick weren't where Limerick usually are. Like, you know, they were off that pace a small bit. And I think John Kylie is very aware of that. And I think the the comments he was referencing to, and I know I'm going a long way around answering mcclaire here. But I think what he was referencing to there was that people may be saying that this team is going to win five in a row, not just five in a row, six in a row, seven in a row. And he's conter- concerned about his own team hearing that. So now Limerick are focusing on this resetting against Clare this weekend. Clare are coming from a different point of view going, we coughed up five goals, which you we weren't expecting to do against Tipperary. Mm-hmm. Try and identify the problems and not present those same opportunities to a Limerick team that may punish you even if you don't make any mistakes. So I think the proposition is a lot different. Again, you have to look at it as well. I mean, I know a lot of Clare fans will say, we go back to the Munster final last year and, you know, there was a pocket of the ball in it and John Kylie said that as well. Go back to the last time Limerick and Clare played, you know, it was one of the it was a very poor match. I'm not saying one of the worst matches I saw, but it was such a dead match. You know, you, you, as long as Clare don't turn up with that. Now, I know there was no Tony Kelly that night and so on, but you just... Clare need to put in a savage performance just to get the show back on the road now. That's all it is. And they have ample time. They have ample time to do it. But, you know, a, a really good performance against Limerick will do a lot for it. And, you know, just doing a lot of the basic things well that maybe they didn't do against Tipperary today, that'll go a long way towards getting the show back on the road. But I think they'd rather have a different match. I think they'd rather play somebody else than play Limerick this weekend because I do think that the fact that Limerick got a bit of a warning off Waterford today and Waterford highlighted them for in parts outworking them in parts I think that'll have a knock-on effect to the Clare game and Limerick will look to re-establish themselves in the game as being the hardest workers moving the ball really well and rattling the back of the net a few times because I think they'll look at Clare today saying lads, if we don't get calls against Clare well, <laughs> Tipperary are doing something better in their full forward line than we're doing so I think Limerick will take that as a fence and Claire are going to have to deal with that. So it's it, it's going to be a very tough challenge for them. They have the players, like we said, they absolutely have the players individually. But what are Claire about at the moment as a team? What is their plan? Are they going to bring Tony Kelly into the game that bit more? Are more players going to sport them around the pitch? You know, there's a few things there to, to ask, but it's it, it's certainly a tough challenge for Claire this weekend.
1: Right, Skell. How are they going to get on?
2: Uh, I, I, can, I agree
1: with everything Murph says um, stop doing this this happened twice last week it's at least four times now because I definitely heard you saying earlier on I'd have to agree with Murph there
2: that's not how this Yeah, it's, it's, it's not even against my better judgement it's just <laughs> it is <yeah. laughs> we're saying it's the same him and sheep for now for now this will all change when, when we meet when, when next week comes along for our own, our own counties but um, it's a difficult proposition to go down to Limerick I think Limerick will come away from today's game obviously happy with the two points but there's, there's there's a lot of work on, you could say. Um, I'd say John Kiley, I'd say if he was disappointed, to, if you can call it that, after the league final with their shooting efficiency, he might be a bit more disappointed with the way things went today. They're obviously going to be missing... Uh, Hegarty's back, sorry, because he was two yellows. They'll be missing Flanagan. Um, I'd say this week, a bit of a bite, a bite to it all. Um, but again, I, I just see, I, I see Limerick winning it, to be honest. I see a home crowd <clears throat> getting the show back on the road, I think probably four or five points, to be honest. You know, and, and from the goals perspective, I just as, as you were talking, Murphy, I was thinking, if you're Brian Lohan, do you change your keeper?
0: I think you probably do, not to be harsh, but like realistically, look you're playing at the top level here. Like, you know, if teams have bad performances, you know, you have to you have to maybe give another player a chance to show that, you know, actually you you would make them decisions. Because a lot of it was decision making. You know, a lot of it was Taking the wrong decision, and you know, it's, it's not to be hard on him and foodie, like you know, it's not to be hard on him, but mm. like we, me and you, have been in those positions before where we've made bad decisions, we were punished for them, and then you don't start the next game, or no. you know, you have a, it's just the reality of it, like you know. So, I think I think Eva Cooligan is sitting there going, If I don't start the next day, I'll be really disappointed, you know. Uh, and I yeah, think his case for that would be is he doesn't make too many bad decisions. You know what I mean? Like, I mean,
2: he's he's solid. I, I, I agree. with you. Like, I I I I think he's actually underrated as a keeper to be honest. And I think mm-hmm. if you put if you push um, if you don't change your keeper and he goes out next week against Limerick and like Limerick are very very difficult on opposition puckouts. They, they do a great set up. This could be a tough one. From I think you actually do you save him from himself to a certain degree. Like Quilligan, I don't know is, it, is the form bad? I said to you if it was a major tactical change where someone was was critical to the structure or the game plan, fair enough. But maybe Quilligan's farm is poor at the moment who you knows you had
1: him last summer as one of your favourite goalkeepers you were picking yeah, Nash do, yeah. as number one but you said he was right up there as one of the best in the country who was the picker number one you picked Quaid sorry Jesus why am I saying Nash you picked Quaid as your number one I mean you are yeah. Quaid fan number one let's be fair but you yeah. were like i have got an outstanding goalkeeper here as well and now see different. They do yeah six? you were asking yeah. me who's
2: underrated and I said Quilligan's underrated um, but see what happens is some goal, some goalkeepers build up Money in the bank, I'll that right here, right? So then when they make an error, it's kind of just passed off, you know. So, like, yeah. Nicky has Nicky has so much money in the bank now that if he makes three horrors like that like was meant today, it's still, it's still okay, you know. Yeah, so whereas Quilligan made an error against Tipperary a couple of years ago in in Limerick, was it a Munster final? No, it wasn't Munster final, Munster semi final, or even round. I'm not sure, but he uh, made an error, got bet by the near post by I think Shane Flanagan goal, and that seems to have stuck with him for some reason. You know, whereas I think he's built up enough of a reputation, in my my view, to be a consistent number one. Like, puckouts is good. Like, against Kilkenny last year, when, when there wasn't too many performances to to, to say it were positive for Clare, you'd have to say that Sharon Donald and Eva Quilligan both played well. You know, so I, that's why I was quite surprised to see the change coming. And you can kind of see it coming, too, with the way the league was going. But I'd say if you ask people in Clare themselves who was going to be number one they would have all said so I'm surprised that he he, he was in goals and I do truthfully speaking this is doggy dog stuff if Clare lose again this weekend which is a, there's a probability of a two it's under pressure so you have to go out, you have to go out and bring your best 15 and for me he's he's one of them hmm.
1: Paul I stuck this up on screen because I saw this question coming earlier on I said to oh, wait we got through the two Munster games before I bring it up do either of you lads have a game that everything went wrong for them and they somehow still pulled off the win?
0: Yeah, and oh, definitely. There's definitely a few games where not to say everything went wrong, but you did loads of things wrong, and I, I can't even tell you the year. But I remember we played Dublin in Nolan Park, and like this is just flashing to be head now. Once I saw the question, we played Dublin in Nolan Park in the league. Um, I'll go as far as say 2014, maybe I'd say around then. It could even be 13, and. I think we scored five goals and I think Dublin could have scored six, it was an enormous scoring oh. game, but there was goals everywhere and it was all handling errors, it was literally during the game where, now we won in the end, and sh- yeah we, we won, but handling errors, lads dropping balls, lads falling over balls, it was during a pe- period where you were doing heavy gym work, heavy running, <laughs> going out to an early league match at the weekend, just part and parcel of it and it was just one of those days it was raining a bit dublin we're up for dublin we're a big physical team lads were dropping balls and we still came away with the win and it's kind of a funny one because you come away from it going i don't know am i happy that we actually won that match or should we have lost it and it actually it was gas because i was living with two lads at the time and uh we used to have membership kenny would have membership for hotel kenny where we used to use the gym before the gym in lona park and all this and we the following day I went across and was in the sauna with the two lads I lived with and there were two or three owl lads inside in the sauna and they were caught in the back of every Kilkenny player and sure I could feel this coming sure they, had, they didn't even know who I was or anything like that but they were giving out about me and sure the two boys I was living with were loving this and they were there going and that fucking Paul Murphy Jesus Christ he was dropping balls I'm like I don't know what Cody sees in him at times you know and I was there laughing because I thought this was hilarious but what was so good was the boys moved on from the conversation he moved up to the forward line And the two lads I was living with Dragged the conversation Back to the full back line <laughs> And why, why Why was Paul Murphy bad? What was wrong with him? Like you know what was he doing? So like we've had I've had games like that Definitely Now it's tougher when If they come in championship I can't remember one in championship Where everything went wrong We still won They're
1: rare enough Usually if you do everything wrong yeah. You're going to lose the match But I don't know Skell do you remember a game? What, what a scoreline Just before you come in Skell 5-16 to 6-12 It was 2012 National Hurling League At Nolan Park the Dubs score six twelve and lose. Yeah, bonkers. Six bonkers. Anyway, sorry, Scott. Your uh, moment of six adversity 12, or game 12, of adversity, you still won.
2: I, I don't see. You can get. You can get the feeling in game. This isn't going right, and the harder you try as a group, then yeah, the worse it seems mm-hmm. to get. Now, I've had a couple in the club, where I say, where we've we've you know we've we've pulled it off and say, But in county wise, I nothing comes to memory. I I always think of the twenty eighteen Leinster final in Crow Park, Mm. And I was thinking everything we did that day was was was, was poor. Like, so just we couldn't get our rhythm going. Couldn't get it, whatever going. Was it down to you Whatever. And we were lucky to come away with a draw. Oh, we went we? to
0: Terlesen, yeah. No, we came we're, back we're, at you in that game and just got a draw, wasn't
2: it? Yeah. to come away with a draw. Like, and I, I just thought, like, um, you know, that, that that kind of game, you can fucking feel it. This isn't going right, and you try pickups are being missed. You know like sh- shots are going away that you think they'd they go over handy and it's, it's very hard to kind of stop the rot you know what I mean where experienced teams are able to do that and luckily at the time we didn't get people that time um but no in- inter-county I agree with no I'm not going to say it Morph, I was going to say I agree with Morph. <laughs> <laughs> we're allowed to say it
1: stop
2: I think Morph has Murph has well, a point right if this happens, <laughs> happens right yeah you're going to get bet so I don't yeah. think it happens too often what's that question River Power
1: yeah I like this oh, question That's why I took it up Yeah it's good Because you can talk about this What, what does I'm a goalkeeper do Because I think for goalkeepers Sometimes it's a lonely thing You know if you've made a mistake You get highlighted an awful lot more Than the rest of the team And yeah, therefore Yeah Do will you see Yeah like if but you're what do you do or... On the week after Making a couple of mistakes
2: So like Let's say now If that was me now if I, if I was following the goals this week I wouldn't look at the game at all today Tomorrow morning I would just look at the goals Analyze what I could do better uh, And then move on Just move on you know what I mean? I wouldn't even focus on the goals this week. I would focus on getting, you know, the mind sharp again, sharpness, and just keep keep things rocking. You know what I mean? Um, because the worst thing you can do is just keep thinking about those goals, rerun the work. What the
1: fuck are you laughing at, Murph? I'm laughing at someone put in a comment, Jesus Paul, do you want water with your orange? <laughs> <laughs> so you be very familiar with his my waddy um, at this stage. I think uh, Skel and I are both on... Oh, I wasn't laughing. You're very insecure, aren't you? You're talking about goalkeepers being confident. And well, hold goal. on a second now.
2: I was talking about this poor young fellow, right, who was <laughs> going right. through a bad time. You are there wetting yourself. <laughs> what what was the it was a great comment. It
0: was a great
2: comment. <laughs> the Eagles this lad give <laughs> me the number of the two boys you were living with no, there I'm and we start to chat about you no I tell you
0: in <laughs> fairness I, I will say you know, I agree with Schettel there obviously I, not to be highlighting mis- disagreeing with each other no but like the thing is about it like it's it's very tough right look you're at inter-county level if you're, for for and Foodie like I mean you're at intercounty level you make mistakes it's going to be highlighted you just have to accept that lads go what, what do you do how do you bounce back from it like when I had, let's say, my day that was for, like, let's say, Eamon Foudi's day today, where he didn't have a good day. It's not like it's no panic. Like there's no one, there's no one dead. You'll go on the next day, and he's obviously was picked because he's been doing really well in training. He just has to remember that, that, you know, what the performance may be. The few mistakes I made today, I'm in the goal. When I make mistakes, they're punished. corner forward makes mistakes. A lad just comes out with the ball. In 2009, I started midfield for Kilkenny against Dublin. I was flying it in training. And I ended up marking Alan McCrabb that day inside Nolan Park. He ended up winning an All-Star that year. But I came out completely flat. Didn't hurl well at all. I think I poked one ball. And I was dropped from Kilkenny for that year. And, like, the learning curve for me there, 2009, yeah. The learning curve for me there was that um, I just basically went, like, that's not me. That's not the player I am. Like, my opportunity was given to me. I didn't take it right, I'm going back at this again. And I think Jamie yeah, Fuley will just go, look, that's not the player I am. I made two mistakes. I got punished. Two or three mistakes. I got punished. This is a championship hurling. you can expect that. Go back into training and, and like as a goalkeeping, you know, let's say squad or a cell or whatever you want to call them, himself and Eva Quilligan, the lads will go at it and say, look at, that's just joys of it when we reset and we go at it again and we have a bit of competition. But like, it's just the nature of it. I, I hate to say it, but like a goalkeeper and a full back line. You make mistakes, you're punished and you, you think mm-hmm. it's the centre of the world and you think, oh, you know, you never recover from that. You will, you know, you will. And it's just the nature of it. And you know what? You come back stronger from it, if anything. If you take it on board and come back, you'll come back stronger
2: from it. Yeah, sure. It's character building, isn't it? Completely, completely. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. like people obviously say, oh, he has to get his confidence back up. Confidence comes in a while, but he has to be courageous now. Yeah. He has to go after it this week and accept that what happened happened today and move on and, and yeah. keep Keep, keep the courage keep going after it and just focus yeah. on the first ball if he's picked focus on the first ball in Saturday and what, you, what you'll also find as well not
0: to jump across you but what you'll also find is that you'll never have criticism from a fella who's actually stood in the same position as you like I mean if any lad is saying something stupid about and Foolie over the weekend or tomorrow morning or whatever I guarantee that fella never stood in his position and actually stood between the sticks for Clare or for Tipperary or Colway or Kenny or anyone he never stood in that you'll never get criticism from someone like undue unfair criticism from someone who stood in your boots and made the mistakes you made
1: yeah, yeah. Um, I love the way people, there's like a chance, now that we're live on the Hurling Pod this week, um, so join us on YouTube if we decide to do more lives during the uh, year. In fairness, a good lively debate going on at the moment, so I think this might well be something we do again. Um, James Coughlin, or James Collin, depending on where he's from, but I, I'll guess Coughlin, uh, ask L, was Fitzy a tactical genius today? And I think around that as well, Patrick Coleman had come in and said, please ask L, will Davy get more out of Waterford or is this the Davy bounce? So Why are you You're asking me? Well, I turf? mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm very wary that at this point we're about 18, 90 minutes away from the Sunday game starting, and I believe you've put hours of work into an NFL draft as well. So I'm wondering, will this be a 20 minute answer if I ask you what you made of Davy, and if this is a Davy bouncer, you were actually impressed by what Davy did today? How do you rate Davy's tactical performance on the line for Waterford against Limerick today?
2: Well, I think you have to give credit where where, where it's due, like you know. So we just mentioned about the shot count from Limerick, we mentioned what they've scored. So they've kept them to the least amount they've scored in there are their seventeen unbeaten runs. So there's credit for that. They didn't win the game, but again they weren't expected to win against against like nearly a juggernaut. So they, they set they set up and developed a game plan to neutralize Limerick first of all and then try to get them on the counter and run a game. And it worked. And like a lot of the scores they got the first half were freeze, freeze that were developed through run. run at them. So that that's that's First of all got to get them into the position for fitness and second of all then develop a game plan. Didn't work fair enough. The proof was gonna be in the pudding at the end of the monster round up and to see is it, it like did did all the tactics work as a whole, you know? So because Skyhead
1: loves JV. <laughs> Mother <laughs> Jesus, Petty, Paddy, Paddy, Paddy Corden, ah, okay. is He's <laughs> having the crack in fairness. <laughs> Uh, scale, what are you saying now? Munster on top. Rother watch paint dry. The Leinster all Munster games should be broadcast and forget about Leinster. Kilkenny versus Galway. Fine. Hold on now, Danny, for a second. And this brings us nicely round to Leinster. We won the games of the weekend. Was at Corrigan Park this weekend, where Antrim were for sixty-seven minutes of the game. Dublin strike over two points then Antrim go back and you think this is going to be the moment that they've actually let it slip and maybe Dublin are getting both points and they look back at this and say, Ugh. and then Antrim go back in front and then Keno Sullivan hits a really late point to get an equaliser and the team share the spoils and it leaves actually that last place in Leinster feeling wide open. Um, I know obviously <coughs> after the hammering that Westmead took against Kilkenny, the feeling that Westmead are going to finish bottom, but Antrim and Dublin are now both within a shout scale of qualifying and even if it was on GA Go and not national TV, it might not be the same standard as some of the stuff that we saw on Munster today, but we got a really entertaining game between Dublin and Antrim on Saturday afternoon. Yes, we did. Like, I know, prop the, can you put the comment again, can Yeah, <laughs> oh, here somewhere. More. There we go. Scale Armor, sorry. sorry. Uh, no, that's that's hurling one, two, three, four. We'll come back to that. Uh, this is a moment where the chat has moved too quickly, um, but okay. I believe it was, I'd rather watch paint dry than Lentzir or Danny's here. There you go. Scale. What are you saying now? Munster on top. Rower watch. Paint dry the Leinster. All Munster games should be broadcast. Forget about Leinster till Kilkenny versus Galway. Okay.
2: What okay. First of all, what am I saying? Uh, first of all, we never we never actually said, Murphy, any of us, that that the, the Leinster Championship was a better Championship than Munster. You know, we all kind of said Munster is a great Championship. It's fabulous. You know, it produces some great games, but that just don't be thrown shade as much as people do with the Leinster. So obviously, hmm. what what happens is people compare. They compare both provinces, and fair enough. There, it's just the way it is there's more quality in Munster at the moment than there is in Leinster but like I, I think it's slightly it's like disrespectful when you look at the Antrim Dublin game th- that was a savage game do you know what I mean uh, like Rapture Scores We always say but well, look at the venues Galway, Westford damp dr- dr- dirty day in Pierce Stadium Kinney Hammer against Westmeath so look at it wasn't uh, an overly overly exciting weekend for Leinster but I wouldn't fucking shit all over it. <laughs> like a man is down there watching paint dry did you ever watch paint dry it takes an age but like I, I, in, ultimately like you're going to get these cracking games uh, in, in in Leinster too. So like, rather than you know, pissing them, just uh, look forward to them with anticipation.
0: Yeah, mm. I, I I'd say as well. I mean, I heard earlier today before the game, Joe Malai and Tommy were just talking about you know there's articles going up there. I think Michael Foley wrote an article as well just about the entertainment is gone out of hurling. Like this is obviously a big talking point at the moment, but like that. Antrim Dublin game the first thing you think of is entertainment like if you think about today Watford and Limerick it was really entertaining like I mean what's entertainment like where it's it's controversial where there's a lot happening there's a lot of instinctive hurling a lot of people are saying that obviously you know the, the tactics and things were dominating but I think if, if we saw anything from Limerick and Watford from Antrim and Dublin you know it was instinctive hurling um, and it was even you know, Claire and Tipperary, yeah, like, I mean, at times it, it, it showed flares and flickers of really entertaining hurling. But, you know, just going, touching back to what Joe and Tommy were saying, we're like, you know, maybe it's gone a bit stale and different things and the entertainment is gone. I think we saw it there that, like, I mean, Antrim and Dublin, if you were looking for entertainment, that's that was a very entertaining game. And, like, I know people might pull through and say, oh, yeah, Limerick, this, or, you know, Claire would beat them or Tipperary, be, whatever. Entertainment, if that's what you're looking for, that was a great game.
1: Yeah um, So both teams are in a interesting position Scale After that game Because We spoke about it last week This was important for Dublin Because Dublin now Have got Westmead next Where they will be expected To win at Parnell Park On Saturday <coughs> Antrim got a tricky trip To go against Wexford But may well view that As a bit of a free hit Because Antrim will expect To pick up points When they play against Westmead In a couple of rounds time mm-hmm. So therefore Dublin Because we already spoke about How difficult it's going to be Maybe moving to Crow Park For that game against Wexford Particularly Um I don't know. I think pressure's on Dublin now going into this weekend after not picking up the two points in Corrigan Park at the weekend.
2: I, I agree with you. I think like Dublin, I think the players and management alike would have looked at this game and Antrim and said, no, I wouldn't say take it for granted, but they would have expected to, to come away with two points. Like, they, I think there was, what, was there seven or eight points? Margin was in the league and the two of them, that were fairly, for, Antrim went, went with a strong team in that league game mm-hmm. and Dublin kind of went with a, a makeshift team to, to a degree. So th- you would have thought they'd go up and get two points and the fact that they don't now puts them in a trickier spot. Like we were saying that, you know, Wexford will get through, you know, just, let's say, ahead of Dublin and whatnot, but now, phew, the gap seems to have extended a little bit more. I know Wexford has zero points, don't get me wrong, but yeah. like you, you think Wexford, with Antrim coming to them, that they should take two points there, you know, especially with, with big names returning back. So, it's pressure, like, and it's a good situation, I think, for, for Antrim. If I just go over them for a second, I know you mentioned it's like a free hit, but like, Jesus, nothing to lose now. Like, they, they they will look at this and go, right, we sh- we will at a minimum you would say we'll have three points. I think they'll beat Westmead. Uh if we come away at five, this is you know it's an audacious attempt. <laughs> you know what I mean? If they can somehow get get two points over Wexford, however unlikely that that may be. But um yeah, a great start. Drubbin are under pressure. I don't I don't think they have the squad, you know, to to, to really, really trouble, you know, I suppose the championships this year. And I, I, we did say from the off, though, that, that this was going to be a building year for them because there's been such a, a personnel turnaround. So a disappointing start for them. But there was, they showed great reserve to get out. You know, Antrim were up. So they, they, they battled back and came out of the draw. So the, at least they came out of something. There's positives in every situation.
1: Yeah, um, Joe Butler. The only notable thing in Nolan Park yesterday was TJ had a penalty saved. Uh, that was an incredible um, save, by the way. Noel Connolly got right across and saved it because there were a couple of penalties that weren't great this weekend. The like Conor McDonald's penalty was not good for Wexford, and I think even Galana would be a bit disappointed with the way that he hit the penalty today. Conor McDonald's penalty list. Oh. Yeah. Not good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he took one in the Leinster final in 2017, and it was his bad. Mm. <laughs> mean? How was Roy Cronin
1: hitting them? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you wonder. I'd say I any of would shot like if chin, <laughs> if <chin> was, <laughs> But if Chin was on the pitch, Chin would have hit them. Like Chin was just such a big loss in. I don't get it though.
2: How was Chin tugged out? Helmet on, warming up. You know, if you're in the 26th 6 let's say that way. Why aren't you on the pitch? A man of his quality. Oh.
1: Presume he got a knock though. Maybe him and Rec weren't as close to fitness As the kind of we thought they were. Or maybe no, I know. Rec, I
2: think Rec did Rec go down yesterday in the warm.
1: I think so. I think he picked up something very late. Yeah, was he was a very late withdrawal. Led,
2: one of the goal were saying that he he went down the one-up this they um, I didn't when I asked about Chin, I didn't didn't notice an awful lot, to be honest. So strange yeah. one.
1: Credit to uh to Condi for the save and the TJ, but Joe's point here that the notable thing was TJ the penalty saved, he missed a free from about thirty metres and had a long range free short. Um is that a case, Murph, of TJ's come back in? This is the first game he's played since the All Ireland club final. He's had an extended break and probably gonna take a bit of time to maybe find his feet and he had like we didn't have to have the debate because Kilkenny have now held Billy back for the twenties as opposed to both of them having to share the pitch of the weekend
0: yeah, well, Billy Drennan actually was in a booth um since the uh since the Galway match the week before, uh, he was going down the line yesterday in a boot on crutches, so I th- he seems to pick up a knock in the Galway match uh, in the under-20 game.
1: So I don't know even... how bad the magic boot is, because we've seen Katie McCabe, Evan Ferguson go into the moon boot and then be back yeah. out the next week, or is this suspected to be a bit worse than that? Well, so Kenny played Dublin yesterday in the under-20s before the
0: Limerick game, he wasn't togged either, Like you know, so if mm. they're holding him for something, like, I mean... You know, Kilkenny had a tough battle against Dublin as well in the under-20s. So it's kind of a case that it's, it's it's a dangerous game if you're being very conservative and hold them that way. Um, he seems to have picked up a knock. In fairness to him, um, it, yeah. Look, maybe in one way, like you don't obviously you don't want an injury on Billy Brennan, but. Like it gave a chance for TJ to slot in, and there was no distraction of you know who's taking the freeze. Look against Westmead, I don't think there would have been much of a distraction anyway. Westmead were missing five players as well. I mean, Joe Fortune said it after the game. Like this game, in fairness, uh, I can't remember who made the comment there, but like this game didn't get going. Um, it was one way traffic. Uh, Kilkenny were very much in third gear. Like the penalty, the penalty was struck well, but there was a lot of rain before the game as well. Like you could see a lot of players were slipping and sliding. Um, Kieran Doyle had three frees that he dropped into on Murphy's hand from fairly scorable positions. So As, when you, see, when brother, you see Kieran Doyle and that
1: you know. His brother Killian was injured, which just made such yeah. a difference. And I think he um, toddled up after the game. So the three forwards who were missing for Westmead, Killian Doyle, Niall Mitchell and also Niall O'Brien. And I'm not sure how long Niall O'Brien is gonna be out for. Niall Mitchell had knee surgery recently enough, so he's gonna be out for a while yet. One fifteen they scored against Kilkenny last year in the fixture in Mullingar. So that was a lot of firepower to take out with the team. And Kilkenny eased a victory, 29 points to seven. Maybe the good thing for Westmeath was they didn't concede a goal, but their injury ridden going into that game against Dublin this coming Saturday evening. So that's a huge one for them. Um, also, when we look at the weekend just gone by, Scale. What do you make about Galway? And this is broad broad strokes here on the game at the weekend. Because, again, this could have been like the Clare situation where they conceded two goals that you would have been very disappointed with. But I Mm -hmm. felt in the second half, Galway wrestled control of the game and were probably worthy enough winners in the end.
2: Yeah, i go along with that. Um, I think someone dropped a note to me there today that that it was six points in the margin, but it felt like a hammer. It it did feel like the distance was was, was larger when you're watching it in real time than what that final scoreline suggested. Um I was I wasn't worried, you could say, watching the game. I was just I was more concerned with the way we were playing uh for future games because we it reminded me a bit of the Limerick League game whereby we were hitting an awful lot of fifty-fifty balls into a full forward line, like not really hitting balls to space. And it was kind of worrisome because if that's the way we're going forward, like when you get to the bigger teams, they lap this up, especially if you play it like even or Northern Park and start hitting in fifty-fifty balls in you know, the top of a defense that loves aerial ball. Not going to you not going to work. Then in the second half we opened up a bit more. Um like case the point I'm talking about, Liam Collins got a point in the second half whereby he did a run, checked it and went back another way, and he found himself in 20, 30 square yards of space. Like if we can if utilize our forwards more that way, I, I'd be a lot happier because like how how many times do you see Conor Whelan? He's always wrestling with lead, trying to get the ball. Do you know what I mean? There's always mm-hmm. a lad above in his back or does do you know what I mean? It's just he has to go through a terrible amount of workload to get, get to get a ball. So how can we release these guys into 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 space? How can we get Brian Cannon in space? Cahill, Connor, do you know what? And it'll it'll I suppose it'll start to flow a bit better. defence, bar the two goals, obviously there are two terrible goals. Yeah, you know, we, we know that ourselves. Um however after that it kind of showed up. Mack was good, so, you know, he got plenty of trouble off Conor McDonald, I'll give you that. And Dahey was yeah. good. So ultimately our half back line was a very was a good launching pad. I do think with Finton Burke being back, he'll have to win a wing back, and I think we have to put Jose Cooney up. I know is a good defender, yeah. good forward, but I just think we have to have to get him up there. Um, because we need if we're going hitting this 50-50 ball and we're going to, you know, persist with it to a certain degree, we need someone like him in his aerial ability. So because in the half back line is not being utilized the way the game has been played a lot of the time now. You know, so it's it's the ball is either bypassing or going of him So we need to get him up there and uh use that big paw. But look ultimately two points, good start on to next week.
1: Great return of Evan Island as well. Uh, 13 points uh, yeah. uh, I think it was a six of them came from play during the game he had a, a 65 five frees in the sideline I think as well but like he is obviously there as a dead ball expert as part of the team but that's a really really good return from
2: yeah and I'm sick because I was doing my fantasy team on Friday evening and I didn't I, I didn't press save changes everyone was in my team and I had him capped <laughs> and I was like I was so happy after the game I said this is brilliant and then they put up so, pro- pro- provisional scores today I went in and I was like oh my god he's not on the fucking team
1: <laughs> <But> <laughs> no.
2: he's, he's, he, he does this for Bridge too like it's well within his capability because his skill set is very high so he's very good in tight 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 areas getting the ball not quite keenly standard but he's and like he's he's good at getting the ball and fending it for himself so mm-hmm. and he's he's an absolutely deadly the, the shooting expert so good and, and I'm delighted to see it for him, for himself, because he's, he's, like, he's a hard-worker, <coughs> sound fella. But I'm delighted for Galway as well that we have another forward who can execute like he has and we've got the scoring forward and, and it's currently you know, with progress. So again, don't settle on that onwards and upwards and uh, back it up this weekend.
1: Yeah. Um, Murph, again, the wait goes on for Wexford for a win in Championship against Galway. We noted last week, 96 All-Ireland semi-final was the last time they beat them in Championship. And you know the period they probably killed them during the game? was 26 to 35 minutes they scored one point at a stage when they actually were a little bit on top against Galway they allowed Galway again to reel off a run of scores and this has happened before it happened in the Walsh Cup final slash first league game earlier this year remember we were talking about the fact they ran off I think it was 10 points without response Um, that's just going to kill you in a game if you go through a nine ten minute spell without a score
0: yeah absolutely and even you think they they put that together with Galway coming out of the traps in the second half and really going at them again you know they had a great platform and I think they kind of they fed off of nearly being surprised when they got the two goals that suddenly they had I think it was a five point lead at that stage because I think Galway Galway could have got the first point but suddenly a five point lead and it kind of sprung Wexford into life because I didn't expect Wexford to have a bit of a spring in their step in this game but you know again those things we spoke about it last week here that um, in, in the game them alone in Wexford Park that they let Galway score 10 scores in a row I think it was and we said they wouldn't let them do that again they nearly very much did in this game and um, they just about broke it up but again in the second half like Galway just kicked on and, and Wexford didn't do anything to try and stem the tide what I thought was interesting from both sides at times and it's something definitely Galway will look at to improve on is a lot of aimless balls struck down into half back lines where there was one lad on his own. Like how many times did Dio O'Keefe come out with the ball yesterday? And like uncharacteristically from few players, like you know Park Mannion came out with the ball yesterday, had a look up, um, soloed it a few times. Or maybe could have been Cothel Mannion. I think it was Barrett, yeah, though. Park though. And, and and yeah, he looked, no one was there, turned it on the hurl, and then just popped it off the hurl on the line. And Dio O'Keefe, and there was nobody around him. So there was, and I think there was a there was a period there of like two or three minutes for both sides. It was like tennis where they were striking the ball back and forth. Both sides would be unhappy with that. But I think particularly Henry will be looking at that going, you know, we've spoken about most likely carrying that ball up through that middle area, getting it into good positions. And then the likes of Evan Nyland, Connor Whelan, Connor Cooney, these lads coming through and putting the ball over the bar. But for periods, they didn't do that. I think Henry will be looking at that going, well, let's wait and see what can Kenny bring. But most likely you can guarantee Kenny will try and do that. So I think... The match next weekend is going to be telling for both Kilkenny and Galway, but particularly Galway. If they're put under pressure, will they strike that aimless ball for Richie Reid to go drifting onto? Because it's, a, it's, it's it's not a good platform for a team in this day and age if that's the type of ball you're going to pump down into an open half backline.
1: Yeah. Um, Martin Furlong there, chin's shoulder was injured during the week, wreck was injured during the warm up. Both are expected back next week, though not certain, according to Darry Egan. So big boost if they get them both back over the week coming. Um, Cork waiting in the long grass that's one that's one scale where are Cork at um, because last week we kind of talked about it a little bit and then there were some people particularly Clare supporters like you've not justified why you think Cork should be in second place and you both pick Cork in second what are you expecting when Cork take the field this weekend of this Cork team have now had a little bit of extra time after the league to get ready for this first championship game for them
2: um, I'm expecting a victory first and foremost um, I think the, the, the I think I feel like they're going to build on what they did in the league. Like again, when when any team exits the championship, right, I, I, exits the competition, like they, they always, you know, it's it's, it's negative surrounding, surrounding that kind of result, etc. But I thought Cork had a really promising league, like putting, you know, putting a couple of teams away in in, in fashion with, with with their scoring. Like so, they've always had good hurlers, you know, um, across the board. And I think someone questioned me on their defense, like, and I think the yeah. Cork's concession rate was was. Was not huge to say in the league to say. It was, I think there was. I think they con- conceded 126 points, which was like tied for, for second or third. So it's not it's like it's not a, as if they're getting opened up left right and centre. And I just think they're they're primed to build that because they, they they do have the hurdles. And I, I go to town against anyone on that one. They do have the hurdles. It's just the, the question is can they always just fit it together? And that's that's the the big cloud over them for me is you know can they put the talent, the skill, can they put the fitness, all that pieces together grand? But can they put it, in an aggressive manner for 70 minutes against a team that's going to come at them hard you know that's all I'm I, I wondering about Cork and I think, the, I think they can I think they're looking at this year and looking to build and good, good, good place to start off in with a home crowd against a team that's that's coming off a loss and missing a player or two so I'm expecting a victory um, will they finish second you know I, I'm going to stand by what I said last week and wait for another couple of weeks to unfold to see where that, that happens because the Tipperary game is going to be huge after that one then we'll know, we'll know where they're going But yeah, look. I think Corker, they're not to be. uh, Long grass is one thing. It's not that long (laughs) now. I I think they'll be expected. Again, as I said, we're in a good league, so it's not. It's not like they're coming from nowhere. Mm. Um,
1: so yeah, let's let's see. I have I have a question in currently uh, with the Sunday game to find out if football or hurling is first because I'm sure there are many people in the stream who want to go and watch uh, the Sunday game in a few minutes' time. Um, but there's a question for you, Skell. Before I ask you where this draft is at, because this might become the bonus pod um, between you and I at some point. Uh, best penalty taker the scale has ever faced, coming from Thomas Hayes and Facebook.
2: Ooh, TJ was very good. You couldn't read TJ. See, certain penalty takers when they stand over the ball you can you know by the way they're shaping he's going to go to X side or Y side but when TJ was over the ball I couldn't tell was he going left or right you know I couldn't tell and then just when he, when he picks it wherever way he shaped his body I'm like okay he's going to my left and next thing he shoots it to my <laughs> shoots to my right you know very very difficult to face um, Gillang was good TJ was good but in in terms of back in the old rule you could say Canning was ridiculous know, Canning has just an absolute whopper of a shot that you do well to uh, you do well to stop. And then the one time I remember we played a uh interprovincial game, um, and Andy was it was, was 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 the opposite goalie for Munster. And it was the time the the rule was still in play that you could, you know, he was doing the doing the big pickup and he, he carried yeah. in like seven or eight yards and, and wallop it. And I'll never forget thinking, geez, this lad is going to absolutely wallop this ball. And he hit it. I'm not joking, lads. The power that went into that shot, right? <laughs> and I didn't, I just, I just like this, the heart, I, just, I didn't even see it, right? And thanks to the grace of God, I went over the bear. But in terms of absolute
1: power, like, oh, frightening. Was right. Stephen O'Keefe a madman for running down a Nash Free?
2: No, not madman, no, no. But Jesus, I, so. I saw
1: like the imprint of the O'Neills was on yeah. his leg for about a month afterwards.
2: Yeah, sure. Like think back, like, the goalies didn't wear helmets for, for years, do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? When I think back when I look back at pictures of, of all my underage games, 10s, 12s, no helmets.
1: No. And I, I, bet, I bet when they first put a face guard on your helmet and goals, you were like, it's blocking my vision. I would prefer I not hate to it. wear it. Anyway. I absolutely hate it. And now that I see, again, I only, so we started
2: wearing helmets. Helmets became legal uh, in 2009. So yeah. in my, my first couple of years ago, there was no helmets. And uh, that was the time when man when we had the fucking baseball machines. You
1: remember the <laughs> Do you know what? Tell, tell the Easy. baseball machine because there's enough people still here oh. that are obviously interested in listening to you guys talking for you to tell this story. Because this got told at the roadshow, and unfortunately, because you said you were drinking, it ended up getting cut from the eventual video that went up. So Sorry. you turn up for training. Was Calvin was on the panel as well? Was it you and Callen, up for training.
2: Colin and I are there for training. Yeah. And it's in Pierce Stadium, and there's these baseball machines, and I hear, <laughs> vroom, I hear vroom, like a, it's there, Sean Tracy and Louis McQueen putting these balls, and they're absolutely. Flying out of this machine, so Sean and Louis said, Right, we'll do some uh shot practice on you with these things. And Colin, again, no helmets, sleds and no cups that's the bigger thing, no cups. There was no cups for, for the crown jewels, right? So Colin was there and he's right, right, Sean, you're yeah, ready when you are. And then Sean goes, Colin, the ball is behind you. He ducked Sean he, <laughs> the ball, he, he put the ball in the machine and it got him straight past him, didn't even see it. Like, I didn't leave me, Donahoe, do you know, Michal's brother. Hmm. He, he were training in in Athlone one day and he got hit I think in the leg or somewhere with with, with the ball from the machine and when he, he rolled out and when he came back to recover he got hit again <laughs> hit <with> terrible <laughs> that. he just said fuck this I'm out of here
1: <laughs> hey, there's but, a certain um, Happy Gilmore quality. This is that how Happy Gilmore used to get ready for hockey season is he used to go out and get the baseballs hit straight at his chest and it was meant to hardy him up like I I don't know how Lucnan thought that this was actually going to improve anything he was going to injure his goalkeepers nothing else like
2: it's. It was the kind of situation where you were to you were to get psych, mentally psych yourself up for this, that this I could potentially potentially lose an eye here, know, <laughs> in the next five seconds, <laughs> and you were kind of position yourself in such a way that you didn't get the midsection because if that was the midsection, oh Jesus Christ, you know, I, I'd still be crawling. you know, but like it was just it was lunacy <laughs> to be honest, and they're probably in some of that shed down somewhere, never used again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it was a uh, much vaunted difference maker for the Galway panel, was what it was going to be. Um, Pierce Murray is warning as well. Will there be a bonus pod this week? Uh, I don't know because obviously this um, live idea was slightly different. I have this great idea of uh, Skell doing the Father Ted being the bonus episode, um, which may well still happen. I'm still trying to work out what to actually do if with I, that. I don't want to get I
2: s- If I sat here right and I called every single county a bunch of wankers, right, I wouldn't get as <laughs> much of you. As I've gotten About not watching Father Ted <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, mean, like, I just want to know What did you do every Monday night When you were a teenager Like I mean it was yeah. on Mondays It was like Father Ted Friends Remember that Don't feed the gondolas There's a Well I'll tell you a lot, right? past. I've We're all roughly it. the same age
1: Everyone yeah. talked about this In school scale So how did you yeah. avoid all that I, I, We had Sky Right uh, when, I, when, we, when we first came out It was up, on I Channel think. 4 Channel 4 was on Sky I, as well
2: Give me a second It <laughs> <you> was <want>, Yeah <laughs> So even, like, I just, I was always watching shit on Sky, sport. I don't know. I just never got into it. And, like, I didn't think he was going to be part of our our society or our 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 identity as a nation I, but I have to watch this brother the like I think Scale turned it on one day and thought it was a reality show it was just too close to home for him and like, like this is, is this
0: Stone in Capitagular Ross' story <laughs> I thought you over the road <laughs> is, there, is this big brother or something or what
1: is it <laughs> I did like technically I think uh, Craggy Island was you leave Galway you go west until you see the English tankers dropping off the nuclear waste and then <laughs> the, the, eventually the island will appear I believe is its official location <laughs> but I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing this it's going to be glorious uh, Sunday game started with football. Great news. Um, oh,
0: it's and here on the Italian side
1: anyway. Oh. Uh, well, yeah. at least Murph has it there in the background. Okay, we will wrap up then because there's a few uh, bits yeah. and pieces that have come in that we'll just finish up on here. Um, Gary Jerry Gavin, I should say, on the Facebook. Paul, who oh. wins? Kilkenny or Galway? Kilkenny. Oh. Well, Scale obviously doesn't agree with this. I know. So what, why why uh, like, are Kilkenny going to beat Galway?
0: <clears throat> ah, why are Kilkenny going to beat Galway? That's a good question. Like just looking at it from the weekend, I think if Galway come. Uh, and are anyway flat-footed in the way that they played against Wexford, I think Kilkenny will capitalise on that. Again, you, you're always in these situations when, okay, I know we went to do a tip to be clear this week, but indications were there that tip were playing very clinically. This is a tight one for both sides. I'm kind of giving a small bit of uh, tip here to Kilkenny, the fact that it's in Nolan Park as well. Um, but I just think at the moment, you know, Galway, will they threaten towards goal? Hard to know that, you know... I don't know where the goal threat necessarily is at the moment they certainly have it and if Conor Whelan ticks and supplies a few balls they do have a goal threat but I just my gut is just telling me at the moment um, that I think I think Kilkenny will just will just pip this one like you know they've tried a lot of players very hard to nail out of Kilkenny 15 at the moment which I think Derek in fairness is playing it very clever, you know, as in he's picking, he's cutting his clock to measure. So I just have a feeling over this one that I'm, I'm happy work with Kenny are coming into this game. But look, it's a very tight game. It's a very, very tight game. Um And a draw here would really cause a bit of consternation for both sides. Like Both sides are going for a win here to set out their stall. And in the view that both sides are going to meet each other in Leinster final again, not writing off anyone else. But that's that's the attitude towards this game. So there's a mental battle to be won here in this game. Never mind the two points. There's a mental victory to be won here as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, this feels big, scale, even at this early stage. Like, even if we are to expect that these are the two teams who will go through and who will play in the final, going to Nolan Park, Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock, it's Shefflin versus Ling, not Shefflin versus Cody this time, so that side story's off entirely. But this feels like there's a real big game feel about this on weekend number two.
2: Yeah, and it's... it's. I, I, I know, I suppose it's probably the comforted answer, if you want to call it that, but... I think both teams will look at this and say, right, this is going to be our Leinster final pair honestly, mm-hmm. honestly, as a Gawaii man, i say, and Murphy as well as a Kikini man, I think both of us would, would agree that we, we feel that Kikini and Gallagher are going to meet the Leinster mm-hmm. final. So if you look at, look at last year, Gawaii put in a really good performance in Piers Stadium. Um, I know TJ off injured that day, came out with a victory. It was a really feel-good factor. I think I think turned us over in, in the Leinster final with a good, with a good performance. So I think Gawaii going down to Northern Park. They confidence is not, is not really I, I wouldn't say confidence like of, of a victory but they're, they're going down and expecting to win you have to go into these games expecting to win and like Northern Park is, is a lovely surface there a couple of weeks ago it's a real hurling pitch and the crowd are a real hurling crowd and this will be 15 on 15 go at it there'll be no there won't be you know excess amount of systems here I just think it'll be 15 and 15 both groups are fit um, I don't think there's anyone injured across the board as far as I'm aware of i say I think the matchups are going to be really exciting like I'm looking forward to seeing the likes of Dahi on TJ or Mac on TJ I want to see who picks up Adrian Morland or Cody, etc. So there's a lot of dangers for both teams. Like both two good sets of forwards coming in on a, a bit of form off, off the backs of two victories. Uh, no goals scored by either team, which is interesting. Um, and mm. so it could be effectively a bit of a shootout. Um, so shootout from from points perspective. Um, I, I again, I'm I'm back in Galway as a Galway person. I'm saying it's it's, it's probably the, the the minimum minimum margin. To be honest, I think it's only going to be a point or two. It could be even be a draw. I to a certain like. There is a, a strong possibility of that too. Um, so, yeah, look at it. It's fucking doggy dog here, the situation, as in, don't know the park. You be itching to get that. Mm-hmm. itching to get <laughs> I'm half excited
1: I think. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I don't have to piss off either of you which is great news I can just say have a good time this weekend the <laughs> Sunday um, it seems to be a very very strong feeling by the way that people are enjoying the live aspect to this so this is something we probably will do a few times I mean it's not going to be possible every week but during championship I do like the vibe of it's just coming off the back of games uh, Seamus Hughes said it does feel big it'll have a final S type of deal I think Galway know it's now or never for them and Jack you were saying hurling a football divide is annoying lol I have no hurling a football divide this weekend at all because Offaly won in both codes so I can enjoy the football <laughs> and the hurling um, the football will probably make the Sunday game at some point um, but Offaly Hurler's top of the Joe McDonough Cup as things stand uh, Owen Cattle one twelve. Um, I know you're a big fan, Skell, um, yeah. particularly since he's gone out the field. He's now averaging fifteen points a game. Uh, got fifteen at the weekend. Awfully fourteen points to one seven up against Down. Eventually won one twenty six to one fifteen. Uh, Johnny Kelly, their manager, said to us after the game that like they're just wrecked. They need a break. Uh, so the week is required for them after playing eight weeks in a row. Uh, the drama was all in the game at Netwatch Cullen Park, as it's called for sponsorship reason now. Uh, Carlo one twelve, or sorry, Carlo one twenty two. Leash one twenty two uh, was the full time result. It looked like Leash Had won the game Very late on uh, Picky Morris took over Two frees And then the Roland Put over a long range free uh, Between the 67th And 70th minutes. It looked like The narrative was going to be The Leash were back They had won two games In a row They were strongly placed To still reach the final And then Marty Kavanagh Again, the second top scorer in the Joe McDonough so far, he bangs in a penalty with the last puck of the game effectively, one twenty-two apiece, and now Leash require favours from their neighbours off if they're going to qualify for the final. And Kerry kind of saw off a dogged enough Kildare side in the end in Hawkfield. Kildare now, the disappointment for them thing for them is they got to the Division Two A League final and they're now pretty much out of contention to reach the McDonough Cup final. A six point win for Kerry in the end. The goal came very late on from Jordan Conway, who came on as a sub, but Kerry were three up at half time. Then Paul Dolan was sent off for Kildare. So they played for nearly 20 minutes, a man short. And Kerry just eked out the result. Uh, the game's in two weeks' time. So there is a break in the McDonald Cup this coming week. So on May the 6th, you've got Offaly against Kerry. I think on the Sunday, the matches are going to be Leash against Kildare. And down versus Carlos, So that's still very much up in the air uh, with Carlo and Kerry just behind awfully in the table. So uh, very difficult to see how the John McDonough is going to finish out. Um, as I say, if people have enjoyed the live aspect of this, by all means, leave us a like on the YouTube particularly. Uh, stick a comment in there outside the live chat saying, hey, do more lives. And uh, I think we can do this definitely in a while. Um, Murph is, uh, I believe, preoccupied tomorrow. So scale you and I might well talk at some point about this draft because I feel bad not putting this in but I realised we could be here for another hour and a half if we actually do it now. <laughs> how, how many rounds of the draft have you done already?
2: So I, I had to pick my... I did three rounds of 11, right? So I picked the yep. uh, Lee McCarthy teams, Monster and, and Munster Championships. Uh, so that's 33 players. Mother of God, trying to pick 33 players. And then what really got me, what really fucked me up, Les, is when I <laughs> picked a player, right? Then is he... So let's say pick number one for Westmead is Keane like, right, does that mean Limerick was Keen Lynch? And this is this I started running my head. You know what I mean? I'm like, fuck. So I got, I got, I got, I picked 33 lads. And then my wife saw the list. And then she mentioned three lads. And I'm saying, fuck it.
1: <laughs> I need to put them in somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I want to apologize to your wife again for getting her name wrong on the radio on Thursday. We were having a bit of crack, but there you go. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> so, anyway, you, no, you, no. you didn't do what I thought you were going to do, which was what I would do if this draft was going to happen to make it a bit easier for you. Every team has to surrender all of their players, and everyone goes out into an open pool like as if they're drafting out of college. And therefore, Westme can select Keen Lynch, number one. Uh, number two can be, I don't know, Gerald Hecarty goes to Hantrum.
2: But then I started, so like in, in American football, because my American football. I know, I know, the, but you got to think right? this. In the draft, they all pick. You know, not necessarily the best player But they pick from position they need Right yep. So I started thinking Right Who needs what here So not, not necessarily We picked five top players But my five top players in the country Aren't the first five picks You know what I mean Okay Because I was thinking Right uh, Yeah Westmead yeah. could do a key And then I, then I actually See. picked Nicky Quaid At eight, at seven do You know
1: It's a good idea From Owen her. Hurley by the way But look at how much work that would be You draft out of the Fitzgibbon So you can have any players In Fitzgibbon right now So I need I a month. Know. Brian Brian O'Mara could be your number one pick overall. Actually, I need a month, lads, or Mikey Kylie. <laughs> There's lots of options.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Jesus, lads. Yeah. But anyways, but I've I've changed lads. Five Kikini lads, two tip, two clear, two cork, five Galway, three watts for two wicks for two double. It took me an age.
1: It's next worth a bonus yeah. pod in and of itself. Scale. How is it about we agree to that? Sure. I, I can't do the Father, thing, Father Ted thing yet, That's hard to say one after another, because I have to work out if we get dropped off YouTube for uh, sticking up, because what I want to do is I want to have Father Ted there so people can watch the episode and watch you responding to it in real time. But my worry is if I put that up, somebody somewhere will uh, put in a copyright strike against the account and then, you know, off the balls YouTube is fairly important to the company. I test with you. Uh, <laughs> test with you then. Oh, it's reasonably oh. fundamental. I don't want be the one who goes Well you know what I had this bonus pot ID with Scal That we'd watch Father Ted <laughs> um, sorry that we're You know down for 30 days But uh, you know Good luck Yeah where's the
2: house actually It's supposed to be close by somewhere Is it in Clare or something
1: It's in Clare? Clare I think in Clare
0: yeah. yeah It's out in the burn there Somewhere in Clare yeah Well if you're
2: not we were there or he, or he. I was there yeah I was there years <laughs> I and I years ago I not expect that answer <laughs> Yeah of course <laughs> more like what like
0: like really. was on and then Five, the Aloui Caves is where they filmed the one with uh, Victor Meldrew I don't it. believe it I don't believe mm-hmm. that was the Aloui Caves it's, like, I mean you're just going to you're just going to get into it now if we just pull out all the locations that Father Ted has been filmed in and have you know, or haven't uh, you been there
2: I know Graham Norton Brendan Grace were in Father Ted
1: there you go oh, oh, yeah. Tommy Tiernan Tom was in it
2: there's mm-hmm. lots of people in
1: it yeah? Jason Byrne There's, I was very tempted To actually Give you the Brendan Grace episode But I think we'll still go With Chris the Sheep um, Chris the Sheep I have said. One final question One for you Scott Because I do want to go And actually watch The Sunday game now Are you coming to Tullamore This weekend For the under 20 Leinster quarter final
2: um, I'm not sure Because we're on With the minors on Monday So in terms of preparation I'm mm-hmm. not sure Where we get get to that um, I think Let's we're see. heading Towards Port Leach country But uh, I'd say I could be Knocking around The, the, the vicinity
1: <laughs> drop drop, drop me a text If you're going to go I'm going to go and watch This uh, Galway and Offaly game On Saturday Lads It's been a pleasure We'll speak to you next week At the end of uh, round number two And thanks for everyone Who's been taking part Across the Facebook And the YouTube over the last while As well We'll speak to you next week OTB's The Hurling Pod With Bored Gosh Energy Proud sponsors Of the Senior Hurling Championship